Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. All right, folks. All right, welcome. Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. Okay, we're going to get right to it here. Now, this is a show that we teased uh, a little while back that we were going to do. We didn't plan on doing it this week, but we because of scheduling, it just sort of happened where we're like, hey, do you want to do this now? And we said, yes, we're going to do this now. Um, and so, we're doing it. Uh, and we're doing it. So this week we are doing 120 Billy Joel songs in 120 minutes. We have a strict timer. We get one minute maximum on every song. Hopefully some of these songs won't even take a minute. Yeah, and if if you go over the timer like a politician, that's cool. Just don't be rude about it. It really (laughs) does mean that you're done. That's right. Um, All right, so here we go. But it doesn't mean Uh, you have to stop talking just because you heard the buzzer. Right, right. You will. Yeah, we we have the buzzer, and um, yeah, and we'll just go. And if we need, if we're done, and we don't hear the buzzer yet, then we'll just reset and we'll keep going. In the end, if it's 120 Billy Joel songs in about 120 minutes, we truly will have succeeded. That's the idea. And none of this Mm -hmm. intro stuff counts, you guys. Those of you who are keeping time at home, right. Right. Okay. So uh, we'll work I in the whys and wherefores, hopefully into the song descriptions, right? That's true. Yeah, that is true. As we uh, we're going to go, we're going to go chronologically. We're going to start uh, back in 1971 um, and then go all the way up until his latest uh, individual release that he wrote for his uh, now divorced second wife. Um, so uh, third I think wife that he wrote that for. Uh, no, he wrote it for Katie. Oh, I guess it would technically be his third wife. Yes, it was third wife. Yes, I mean, I keep forgetting when about... it comes to counting wives, technically is where we want to keep it in that <laughs> arena, right? Sure, yes, you know, the you're actual right. math. Mo- most, bi- yeah, I mean, and I'm guilty of it too. We I tend to forget that there was a wife before Christy Brinkley, so she, ins- she inspired uh, a lot of that music that we're about to hear, yeah, both good and uh, bad, actually. Okay, so here we go. We are going to do 120 Billy Joel songs in 120 minutes. Okay, the timer starts now. All right, Cold Spring Harbor, 1971, first track, She's Got Away. What a great way to start out, right? Just a simple piano love ballad, simple lyric, but it's sort of, you know, even though it wasn't a big hit or anything at the time, it's endured as something of a classic. Yeah. Uh, Great album starter for his new singer-songwriter sound. I like She's Got Away a lot. Yep, coming off of Amplifier Fire with with Attila, his uh, his attempt at a keyboard drum uh, sort of super fusion punk band uh yeah this is uh it's it's such a sweet song it absolutely endures it's uh it's great you will hear it at um 
uh, you will hear it to this day at many, many weddings. And and that's not a bad thing. I don't mean that in any sort of bad way. No, it's nice. Set the tone uh, right. for everything that was to come. I all think. right. Well, here we're, we're going to get to the end of this. I'm just going to let this timer go so we can all hear what it sounds like. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and well now done. here we go. You can make me free. Oh, that's like, what's next. Yeah, I like you can make me free. It's yeah, uh, it's, it's Paul, very Paul McCartney esque. He even does his imitation of him sort of at the end when he's ranting and railing. Uh, yeah. Much much later in 1982, he perfected this sort of ripping off. Uh, I got you era, you know, Abbey Road, Paul mm -hmm. McCartney, and and that's a much better song, but. This one's not so bad. What I don't like on Cold Spring Harbor is his affected vocals, so I don't like the play out of this song very much. And, mm -hmm. and of course, Cold Spring Harbor was released to the world for decades with this high-pitched, everything out of pitch. And so it was really weird yep. to listen to for that reason as well. Yeah, recorded uh, recorded at a higher speed. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with absolutely everything that you say. Let's move. Uh, let's go back. We're gonna Now we're going to move on to Everybody Loves You Now. Uh, much better, much more yeah. in his wheelhouse, the story of this, you know, again, it's very judgy. His songs when he's, his you songs, which this definitely is, mm -hmm. is, is very, uh, like not sympathetic, I guess. I mean, or not as sympathetic as you would expect for these types of songs. Even when he's trying to be on future songs, we'll talk about a couple <laughs> yeah. Failing to be his his judgment comes across, but you know that's part of the deal. And this evokes this era in sort of Long Island geography, and it's got a great tune and a great piano line. It's got everything you yeah. want from a in between sort of Billy Joel song. I think it also has the name of the title of the album in it, which is always fun. Absolutely, sneak up on um, I will say uh, it's a great track. It's even better live when you hear it and songs from the attic. <sighs> Um, yeah. All right. Next up is Why Judy Why. Oh, you'll have to start on this one. I barely remember this song. Why Judy well, I Why is really. It. I remember yeah, the I mean, Why it's... Judy Why part, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, this is another one where it's uh, it's kind of a you song, um, but it, it's it's not. I mean, it's it's a little judgy, but it's sweet. It's a it's, it's a little more of a we song, I would say. Yeah, like, yeah. and. Um, yeah, again, it, it sounds a little bit like, uh, well, it, it, this is the start. These next few songs sound a lot alike the, uh, um, these next three songs that we're going to talk about, uh, why Judy, why though is, uh, is really good. He, I, I know he did, he's been doing this live in concert a little bit, uh, it's absent you know. a chorus, it, which is weird. It's a big bunch of three big long verses that end in the title of the song. Right. And that's an interesting style that he doesn't do a lot, but it, it works on this song, I think. Mm hmm. Uh, all right. Next up is Falling of the Rain. Oh, my God. Um, I really like Falling of the Rain in a unabashed sort of folk kind of way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a piano ballad like everything on this album. This is straight up piano singer songwriter stuff, but. Falling of the Rain really does have that sort of folk cred and that it that those mm -hmm. are the images that it evokes. You know, it has nature right in the title. So I, yeah, I like it yeah. a lot better than Why Judy Why anyway. Uh, well, uh, well, absolutely. it's a well, it's a, it's a better song. Uh, it, it's it is like uh, it is like textbook sort of piano folk song. Uh, the lyrics are, you know, they're 
they're trying, you know, they're trying to be evocative, trying to do that. And, and it succeeds. It's just, it seems sort of like now you listen to it and you're like, well, it seems a little bit uh, formulaic, a little bit, a little pat, bit, but, it, but yeah, but in 1971, this was, and this was him trying to figure out what his voice was going to be. And the so, piano hook after the singing of the title of the song, every time is glorious. And you just right. want to hear it again and again. So right. I like it. All right. Uh, turn around. Um. Yeah. Turn around. They, again. I. 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 Why Judy? Why falling in the rain? Turn around. They're kind of all. They're all. If, if they. They clearly feel. They feel like this is like I'm just. I'm staying in this groove. And these are the kinds of songs I'm going to write. And I'm gonna, they kind I'm of make all this, start. To, I'm going to make this singer songwriter thing work because that's yeah. what everybody wants. There is a mercenary aspect to this album where. To a lot of his albums and a lot of especially different parts of his albums, this is as good a time to mention that, where you really feel him just fighting through to get to the next thing. And this, mm -hmm. to me, that's what this kind of song is. It is same as what we've just heard, but different, just different uh -huh. enough to justify its existence, basically. I completely agree. Um, you look so good to me. Uh, you you look so good to me. Sounds like uh, to me it sounds like the opening credits to a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. I like that. That's a more. I mean, at least at this time in '71, that's a more. Mo it's a more modern sounding song. Yeah, it sort uh, of yeah. Point, it sort of points the way forward to some other things, but it is. It is really hap happy sounding. It's hard to explain, yeah. but it's we're all going to have a good time sounding. It's a bouncy, it's a bouncy little tune. And it does sort of sound like you're going to be like, and Dick Van Patten. And then he turns to the camera and, oh, you look so good to me. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't say sitcom -y, uh completely negatively. It's just, no, no. It's, just, it's a bouncy little tune. Yep. Um. All right. Next up. Tomorrow is today. Uh, Tomorrow is today is actually one of my all time favorite songs. Is it? His. I, I, I love it. I love the lyrics. I love the. It, it it has a sense of uh it, to me this is this is the song where he's like uh i i do not like so much of what i have done and who i am and this i am trying it, it this to me is is him this is almost like his manifesto yeah this is what i'm trying to do this is this the big long this isn't the big long song is it what 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 are the next two hint at me real quick uh not not turning gotta begin again Oh, okay. So this is the one. So yeah, I really mm -hmm. like tomorrow is today too. Except again, the ending, which I think is really stupid, which is too uh, yeah. bad because I mm -hmm. genuinely like tomorrow is today. If I'm thinking it's the same song, it's the one with the yeah. weird spiritual stuff at the end, right? Uh, oh, yes, made it my is. bed, That's and it, I'm yeah. sure gonna lie in it. Yeah, lie in it. Yep, yep. It is. It is the one with the yeah. I the really like the that. song. I really cringe a little bit when i hear that part of it but you know again mm -hmm. it's a guy finding it. it's an artist finding himself you got to give him a mm -hmm. bit of a pass in, in spots all right next up is nocturne uh the first instrumental of the of the uh list and you can see that it, that these piano instrumentals it goes all the way back to here this it's just a very it's a very pop instrumental and yet it's it has very it has very classical, like Beethoven-esque classical leanings to it. And mm -hmm. that appreciation for that sound um, just it shows itself again and again and again and again, even in the lyric songs, but in all of his instrumentals to some degree. Mm -hmm. And I, I, Nocturne is lovely. It's a really, really pretty song. It, yeah. It's a, in a great place on the album, too. It's right where it belongs. 
Yeah. Billy Joel famously has said that um, he has never forgiven himself for not being born Beethoven. And um, and that you that hear that striving, in these types yeah, of that, pieces, yeah, that wanting to be that uh, is, you know, we're going to hear that over the next 30 years. Uh, all right. Finally, we have got to begin again. Another manifesto song um, where he's yeah, he's here we go. This is what I this is what I am now and who I want. He's to be. writing much more honestly here at the end of the album than he was at the beginning of the album. And they usually they don't always end that way. More often, they start that way and then peter off as they end. But it's a good time to mention that Billy Joel's albums, it's kind of neat. They tell a story, every one of them, uh, even with the variety that's in them and all the disparate themes and stuff, because he, he literally puts all of his albums in order of the way he wrote and recorded the songs. So the first song's always the first song he came to with, it, it, when he was starting out and the last song is always where he ended when he was done with the process and this song feels that way it feels like the message and the style is all really refined in it and we'll talk about the we'll talk about how that works on different albums especially as later ones yeah yeah um all right now we move two years later piano man um Traveling Prayer is the is the song that kicks off that album. I love Traveling Prayer, big high energy opener. Um, it's one of the few songs from this album and the next that has all these slide guitar and western mm-hmm. trappings that his producer was was really interested in. That I actually like. I like the banjo when the banjo kicks in at the end yep. of the song. Playing the dueling the piano part that's really really neat. And the lyrics are are fun it is what it says it is travel and prayer and i i super it's, dig that it's a great song um dolly parton covered it and it's her cover of this is really awesome too uh and it yeah i mean it it does it sort of has that country folky um and before it, it sounds we like get, a railroad it sounds yeah. like a railroad song and before we get into what's truly iconic it just shows you immediately how much more sophisticated and how much tighter and better the songwriting and playing and recording is on Piano Man than was on Cold Spring Harbor. Right. Right. Okay. Well, speaking of next up is Piano Man, the song that uh, has ended every concert uh, of his for the last, you know, 25 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it is, this is an absolute story song. Um, yep. You know, you can look at it uh, from many different perspectives. Uh, is do he, does he like the people that are in this bar or does he hate them? Because this could be a really horrible, condescending song. Um, I don't and, think so. And, I think he, I think he appreciate. I think you can feel that he appreciates what they are, but they're all kind of losers together. That is sort of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even him in the story is, you know, you got it. You got something, kid, but, but you're yeah. you're still in here playing this dive with with us losers. There. I, I like that. Obviously, there's not much to say about Piano Man that not everybody knows. But mm-hmm. I, I think his connection with those people is very, very real. I think that makes the song, in fact, in the end. That's the soul of the thing. Right. You could say that 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 time as a piano man working in a piano bar, uh, you know, he, he often says it saved his life because he was really uh, in a horrible place. Uh, all right. Next up is Ain't No Crime. Oh yeah, ain't no crime. There's going to be a few of these. We're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> why, Judy? Yeah. Why? What? <laughs> what the hell's that song? Yeah. Uh, ain't no crime's good though, right? 
tell me something yeah. about that. I don't know. I don't well, remember. Well, I mean, ain't no crime. It it is. I'm um. Ain't no crime sounds like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of like, uh, you, you know, it, he, there's some coming up in the, uh, I, you know, the entertainer. He talks about how he's got to get a, a, a peppy tune in in three minutes. <laughs> right. Ain't no crime is him. It's him trying to write like a. it sounds like a, a, a attempt at a rock song. It know? is but, a guy but, who doesn't realize he just wrote the most significant song of his career just, you <laughs> right. know, a week ago. <laughs> And is now yeah. trying to get on the radio somehow, and that's mm. really kind of neat, and I I dig that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Next up is "You're My Home," uh, incredibly sweet song. Oh yeah, I need you in your my life because you're my home. That's it is really poetic again, and a really I hate to keep saying it, but in a really like obs- observing the form of the male singer song. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, well, yeah. He gets I mean, what he's... that is. And sometimes it lands and it feels like you're hearing the artist's voice. And sometimes it feels like you're hearing a really talented guy do what he thinks everybody else is doing. <laughs> and that's, to me, that's kind of more what this song is. But mm-hmm. it is neat. It's clever the way he turns a phrase. You know, he, people rip on his lyrics, especially these days now with all this time and, and you know evolution in the world has gone by it's very easy to look back at some of these and rip on them but this this is it's a very simple it's, poetic love song that works really really great it ab- yep it absolutely is it's, it, that's that you could not have put it better it's beautiful beautiful little love song um all right next up is there we go um the ballad of billy the kid oh yeah this is yeah he has these today now that he's got 120 songs in his pocket he has these little regional songs that he breaks out and every time i've seen him i've heard ballad of billy the kid because he thinks that's what people in the midwest want to (laughs) hear right he's not exactly right about that but this is a a barrel house song it's a it's got all these western copeland like trappings in it it's got a full (laughs) symphony orchestra on it which really fills out the sound and stuff and gives it this huge epic feel. And it's a very clever, again, very wordy, very clever lyric that tells the story of, of Billy the Kid, the traveling outlaw. And it's fun to listen to that. And it's catchy. But I, when I think about it, Billy the Kid, what I really think of is that orchestra and how huge it sounds. It's a big, yep. big song. And it's, an Aaron, it's, it's an Aaron Copeland pop song. Is yeah. What, yeah, he's that's clearly what he's going for, and and most and it's awesome. It's so much fun. It is. It's, it's really a, it's really good. Fun song. Uh, all right, worst comes to worst. Uh, another one that's uh, just the the lyric cleverness and the patting himself on the back's right in the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. it's this is a good song too. This is another one of the countrified tunes, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, mm-hmm. but. I like worst comes to worst. It's this guy Billy's working at a really high level on piano, man. There's about half the songs are absolute stone cold classics, and the other half, like when you remember them, are like, oh, that's really pretty good too. And this isn't one of my favorites, but I don't. Do you really love the yeah. worst comes no. to worst? No. no, worst comes to worst is uh, that's it's a, a come uh, down back into rock and roll from the big mm-hmm. grandiosity of Bella to Billy the Kid, basically. Yep. Yep. Um, Next up is Stop in Nevada. Stop in Nevada. I really, I, yeah. I outsized like Stop in Nevada because I really think if you have to pick which half that's on, it's probably on the also run half. But there are songs of his where the hook is so great. 
That chorus is so it's good. It's so strong, even though the, mm-hmm. the title is odd and it probably was not going to find its way on the radio. The story of this woman uh, and the feeling of liberation in the song is just, it's outstanding. I love Stop in Nevada, truly, every time yeah. it comes on. I yeah, stop it. in Nevada. Yeah, stop in Nevada is true. Yeah, it it it, it is. It's got it. Yeah, it and it captures a little bit of that epicness in that uh, in that chorus. He's yeah, it, it's and you're, writing... you're feeling it. He start. He wants to get the hell out of California. You can feel yeah. it in the songs and yeah, and in 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 this song, it it her, even though she's coming his way, it, her mm. the liberation that comes from her leaving is just fantastic you feel the freedom in it i love it right uh if i only had the words to tell you Uh, sounds like anyone could have wrote that song (laughs) um yeah i mean it's uh this is a a a sad little song um yeah and it's uh you know I, i i've um I, I'm not gonna lie. I've crept this song. I've I've stolen this song. I've uh, <laughs> play, played played well, this song at times. That's and, the um, point of it. This this everybody has done this one, and it that's not easy to say. It's not like at a standard or anything, but it is this sort of it's sort of tragic melancholy love song. He's really really mm-hmm. good at those. They start to go away after a while. After the first divorce, we almost never hear those again, and it is. Right. So we should treasure the ones we have when we have them. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Somewhere along the line. Oh, man. I love, again, because the lyrics are so great. Somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about actions and consequences, essentially. And it, it plays out all these little mini fables that play out that demonstrate that. And again, it's just catchy as hell. And so I, I like Somewhere Along the Line quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, I I mean, it, to me, it's 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 one of those. It's a when it comes on, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, and then you're listening to it, like, damn, that's a good song. That's it's a good song. And good. then you can, and then you kind of move on, and, it, and you know, and then you're like, well, because the things that come next make more of an impression, probably. But it, it right, it it's that's somewhere along the line, it's really really clever. It's not quite as personal as Stop in Nevada, but I, it's one of my favorites on this album. Right. Uh, all right. Next up is. Captain Jack. God, I, we could do a whole show on Captain Jack alone. <laughs> Captain Jack's yeah. sad, pathetic, like just it's the sadness that makes this song work because it's about heroin essentially, and it's about mm-hmm. completely losing yourself. But more than about losing yourself in drugs or whatever, and narcotics, it's it's about the reasons why that happens and the things that the awful, sad, and just really really pathetic things that make you turn to it and Mm -hmm. and it and the things you want to escape from and it paints such a vivid picture of uh jimmy carter never says this but the malaise of the 70s you know yeah when we think of that i think of the verses to this song and yet the chorus and i'm sorry i took all of captain jack for myself okay the chorus is anthemic and rousing and massive and catchy and just glorious. It's one of his best yeah. ever songs, in my opinion. Yeah, it's him trying to. It's that escape. He, um, 
I was just reading, he does not like to play this song because he doesn't feel it's aged well because uh, there are so many things that are more horrible out there now. Okay, <laughs> that's true, like, but it, this yeah. still captures a time and a, a place so well. And that's yeah. something he was really, really good at. He's not, it's, his stuff isn't timeless and who yeah. would want it to be? It's rock and roll after all. All right, I got to steal back a little of those. The we stole a little time from the ones we did earlier. All right, uh, now we're gonna go to 1974 Street Life Serenade opening track. Street Life Serenader, a guy who doesn't want to be in L.A. anymore, and yet so he's just he's doing the opposite. He's doubling down on L.A. and <laughs> Mexico and Southern California, yeah, and that's yeah. basically what this album is. And Street Life Serenader is. One of the better tunes on it. It's the attempt mm -hmm. at a at a Piano Man type sequel, uh, but it's nothing like Piano Man to its credit. Like there's, you know what I mean. He really needed another one of those here, and there isn't one. And the album lacks because of it. Yeah, but but his attempt to, to copy the formula again with that with the title track. It is admirable because it is a, it is its own thing completely. Right. It's not a yep. retread at all, which I like. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, it's, I, will we call it? It's not really, but it's like the hard rocker of the album. It's it, it, yeah, it's it's pretty yes. it's pretty wimpy for a rocker, but mm -hmm. this is this and... is the rock song on the record basically, and it's appropriate mm -hmm. that it be kind of in this spot. Um. And it's yeah, again, and it's, it's the, but the judgment and the sort of fish out of water feel to it really comes through in this. I don't know. I want to say it's hypocritical, but I yeah, I mean, it's 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 like so many of this uh, entire album. I mean, there's a couple songs that are uh, we'll get to that I I, I truly love. Mm. Uh, this one is not one of them. <laughs> um, it is. It's just sort of. It's just. It's like oh yeah, it's, it's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up is The Great Suburban Showdown. Oh, this is cute, but Showdown is, is a cute song. and It's clever. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. But it's it doesn't have a, a beating heart in it like some of the other ones, which is kind of the problem. It isn't bad. You can say that about a lot of these. They just don't have... There's just not a lot of... It, it, I feel like it's what you said. It, he's really doubling down on L.A. And he's trying and he's... <laughs> oh, I'm going to get there. But nope. Nope, I'm dead. But he's not dead. feeling it. And you can down. sense that. And and so it's it's weird that he wrote so many Southern California-specific tunes. But that's what Street Life Serenader is. There's no Piano yeah. Man here. There's no... <laughs> he need, desperately needs to keep things rolling. And he absolutely doesn't manage to do it. And it's, right. there's a tragedy to Street Life Serenader because of that. And here here we are already three songs in and we're already <sighs> sensing it's doing. <laughs> yep. Uh, what we will get, though, is Root Beer Rag. God, I love Root Beer Rag. Right? <laughs> Who doesn't love a good rag? I know. Root Beer Rag is awesome. It makes no sense that it's on this uh, on, on any album, frankly. He just, he's, um, again, he's writing in a form. He's writing a Scott Joplin mm -hmm. version of a song, basically, in right. his own style. And... Uh, naming it root beer rag is gets because i love root beer when i was a kid so i just was gravitated towards the song and mm -hmm. it's it again it's melodic piano hooks it's really really a melodic pop song with no lyrics and that is not an easy thing to pull off i don't think right no it, you're absolutely right it um and it also feels like i hate everything i'm gonna write something to cheer me up 
Right. I, this Truly. is I, like, oh, this makes me happy. And it does. It immediately cheers yeah. the album up and calms mm-hmm. things down a little bit right where it's needed. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Next up is Roberta. This is my favorite song on Streetlight Serenader is Roberta. Oh, and it's okay. for the same reason I love Stopping Nevada so much. It has this. I you know can't sing every song for you, or we, we're certainly not playing any. But Roberta, um, it's tough for me. It's tough for you. The the piano that rolls and bubble bums and climbs up beneath that mm-hmm. is kind of awesome. And his relationship with what I think is I don't want to judge Roberta, but she's a prostitute. I'm pretty sure. I and, believe you are correct. And you know, if not, if she's like a, a nun or something, I'm my apologies, <laughs> but I really think it's it feels like she's a prostitute. And their relationship is more than a man and a hooker, and yet it's less than the relationship, and that's where this song lives in that complicated spot. I think it's pretty lovely, actually. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have nothing more uh, that I can add on that one. Next up is The Entertainer. I referenced this one earlier. This is all about him and the music industry. And the stress of it. And Mm -hmm. even though the song is very tongue-in-cheek and very clever and almost a novelty song in its silliness, and we get some uh, Moog here, which is great. we We get some what I call Whittly solos. Listen to it, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um... It, it's about it's about having to make this album and having to get the next hit and having to stay in the public consciousness and you know all the stress mm-hmm. of following up Piano Man is basically an entertainer and it was the lead off single from this album and it charted but it didn't chart nearly as well and it is this mm-hmm. self fulfilling prophecy of you know this album because Billy Joel and he went on to be a superstar we don't view it as a letdown or some bad thing it's just this thing with its own flavor. But it really was a huge letdown, and he's he's predicting that in this song yep. in a really kind of yep. horrifying way that's also very clever and catchy. Right, and little did he know he was absolutely getting ripped off by his manager at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, he's so... Not uh, alone there. No, he's not. The ultimate uh, rip-off was yet to come. Last. Yeah, last of the big-time spenders. That's fun. It's an attempt yeah. at a... At a like a old school sort of show tune kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. I like those. So I sort of like this, but again, mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's any of him or his heart and soul in this tune. It, it does feel like, well, I've never done one of these before. <laughs> so he sits down and <laughs> yeah. kind of figures it out. Mm-hmm. And I think as, and the next few albums, which are much better and really are as good as they come for a while, uh, he doesn't have to rely on that. The the interest in form so much. He's just able. It's able to come from within a little bit better. And this song sort of mm-hmm. proves that. It's yeah, bad, you though. can uh, you can just take what I said about Great Suburban Showdown and apply it to this song too. Yeah, right. Um. All right. Next up is a weekend song. Why do you name yeah. it weekend song? Because I can't hum it to even remember what it is now. What, <laughs> uh, weekend the- song. Oh, what does what he is say weekend, in weekend song? Though? Yeah, weekend song is it, it, again. This is kind of an attempt at a at a rock song. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean it's we haven't it's had that, one for a while, so that's not no, so bad. No, and it's and you know it's, I you know you think about the songs of the early seventies. This is you know it it feels a little bit like an attempt, sort of at 
um you know and, and not for, a billy joel version of like that working for the weekend or the boys are back in town you know so it's it, it, it's None sort of, of which existed like, yet but i get what you're saying no, no, it's, it's, it's it's that feel. it's him it's looking that, around at the scenery and the people and the characters around him and sort of telling their story mm-hmm. basically yeah i get it um working class it, anthem. working thank you that's exactly right working class <sighs> anthem um, all right. Next up is souvenir. Oh, I really like souvenir. Yep. Souvenir. I love souvenir. Souvenir is lovely. That's a that's a a runner up for my favorite song on on uh, on this album. Just because yeah. it's uh, there's something delicate and lovely about it, and there's nothing. It it doesn't have the weight of the rest of this album sort of bearing down right. on it at all. Um. So, yeah. This really is. I've 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 sung this song many many times in in concerts and stuff. It is it is sad. It is uh, really contemplative. It is much. It's it's really uh, it, it it's a, such a lovely song. And he's he's really um, again he's touching on the sadness of how much he really hates it. Uh, <laughs> it hates what's going on right now, <laughs> um, and and now everything is fleeting. Um, should have been the end of this album it would have been a really wonderful sad sort of contemplative ending but instead we got the mexican connection (laughs) mexican connection (laughs) uh yeah another instrumental uh kind again sort of maybe trying to sound copelandy-ish uh there's like a copelandy section yeah yeah Um, i would agree it it's but it's it's the final word on on this style of thing which is Mm -hmm. so great the very next song says it right in the title and it's so great to just leave all this behind and that's a it's a crappy thing to say about an album that has a lot of little magical moments on it but it it just feels forced and labored and and this no less than any of the rest of it and Mm-hmm. He needs to get out of L.A. and go home and be inspired by his own life and the things around him that he cares about. And that's exactly what he did. And thank yep. God for it. Per- perfect encapsulation of Street Life Serenade. Lots of little great moments, but nothing that really adds up to anything. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to move two years later. Turnstiles is the album. Say goodbye to Hollywood. So long, suckers. Big, yep. big, fat. Uh, Phil Spector wall of sound like drums and stuff on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like I said, Stop in Nevada has a sense of liberation to it. This is an explosion of liberation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. We're I don't know if you know that feeling. We're getting out of Dodge. We're leaving this shit behind. It just it's it's fantastic tune. There again, Turnstiles wasn't. Uh, a more successful album really than Serenader was at all. In fact, matter of fact, it probably would have been in a, in an era like today, third album, it probably would have been the, the nail in his coffin. Um, but the songs are so much better and so much more inspired and so much more personal. Um, and it starts with this one, but just leaving town and heading home and the love of home comes through on turnstiles. Nerdy little thing about his performance in Say Goodbye to Hollywood. He he elongates his vibrato in this. And and I've always viewed it as it's him relaxing. It's him 
<laughs> feeling of not not having that stress it's that release mm-hmm. and so his vibrato was longer i don't know if that was all intentional or i'm probably it, just it, whether it is or isn't it. there's a magic to it that is awesome it, yeah yeah. Um, yeah, and it, and it does it absolutely, and that long vibrato also works in that Phil Spector style. So it, it you know, so that I'm sure that's it's all there's an intentionality, intentionality, intentionality to it. But um, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Summer Highland Falls. What Woo! a glorious little, what a sweet, amazing little piano tune. In the in the in the the annals of his singer songwriter days, yeah, there's definitely piano man, and that's tough to top. But this. This, as far as one man and his instrument telling you a tale that means something mm-hmm. to him, is probably as good as it gets. Summer Highland Falls had a renaissance right around the time he stopped making pop music. He started doing interviews and looking back on yeah. stuff. And you can, this is a bit of a lost tune. It, it wasn't a hit. It didn't get played live a lot because it's not a live arena rock sort of sounding thing at all. But when he went on this little piano library tour where he talked about his work and his life, he played Summer Island Falls a lot and spoke about it a lot. And it you feel that personal connection again more in this song than all of the songs on the last album combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's that fine line between sadness and euphoria. Indeed. Abs- it's absolutely right. Uh, all right, next up is All You Wanna Do Is Dance. <laughs> Joel's, Joel's favorite, Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, okay. I mean, no, All You Wanna Do Is it, Dance is fun. It's a sort of white reggae celebration <laughs> thing. Everyone mm-hmm. was doing that here in 1974, or wherever we are. Um so it's not surprising, but compared the quality of every other song on Turnstiles is so great that this one is such a steep drop off from the rest of them that I think we're sometimes yep. unnecessarily hard on it. It's fun, but it is the yep. worst song, like by a lot, by a by a landslide compared Correct. to the rest of these tunes. Correct. This is uh, this is one you just uh, you hit the skip button on, or you kind of like oh that's can... on here. Yep. Oh, yeah. You can let it you can let it play while you quick run to the kitchen or run to the bathroom, and then you'll come back uh, just in time for one of his classics, New York State of Mind. I don't know what to say. He sets out to make again this kind of you, he's hinted at this before, but this song he sets out to make an American standard worthy of Gershwin. That's ambition. That's really, really great. And I, I would say that in every way that Billy Joel is capable of, he succeeds at that task with this song. This song is, is miraculously good compared to, and not just compared to, but compared to anything in its era, compared to any song he'd done before. New York state of mind is just absolutely outstanding. It's such a good song. Mm hmm. First Billy Joel song I ever played uh, live was this one, New York State of Mind. Um, and uh, yeah, it is. You're absolutely right. It is. It is attempt to write a, 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 a standard. This is something that his for someone who uh, is so harsh on himself and and he judges himself so harshly and, and ha- often hates what he comes up with. The hubris that he has to attempt to, he's like, well, I'm going to write, you know, I'm going to do a song in the style of Copeland. I'm going to do, try a, you know, I need to be Beethoven on this one. I need to write, uh, and you know, his, his absolute hubris to attempt this stuff. And then obviously he probably never feels like he gets there, but um, it, it ends up with some, some really, really tremendous songs. It's, it's uh, yeah. New York state of mind. It's great. It's amazing. 
Tip top. Um, yep. Uh, all right. Uh, following that is James. Poor James. God, Poor what a James. loser. You know, and the problem with James is that James is, and we'll we went way too long on New York State of Mind, but it's a great it's a great quiet little simple song that comes after a big ornate giant song, and and it's it is a you song and it is super judgy, even though it's mm -hmm. trying really hard not to be. I think the problem is that Billy Joel is a big rock star and James is just sort of a loser family man. And I think we're all of us out here are James's. We're not Billy Joel's. And and I think I feel that every time I hear the song, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's talking about me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <The> dick. <laughs> yeah. But but it's honest. It's you can tell that it's coming from an honest place, and that James isn't whether his real name or not. It, it is a real person, and that's a real friendship. But I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is. A, it is a tough it's one. A good song, <gasps> and it immediately it, it kind of a perfect lead into uh, prelude slash angry young man. The little yep. one key. But as good as that's ever been done in a pop song, in my opinion, the banging on yeah. the one key. Yeah thing and angry young man's great it's it it's great it's got the the prelude intro is absolutely fantastic and the song itself it, it doesn't feel angry it feels like he's it, this song really feels like he even though he's talking to somebody it really feels like it, in to some degree he really relates to this angry young man more than he does to his oh. to his old school buddy james like yeah no, he, that's why he he is the angry young man. He's a, there's a place in the world for this angry young man. Yeah, with his working class ties and his radical place. He he. I mean, it's it's it, he's projecting his his. He. I mean, he want in some ways he wants to be this angry young man. And he'll go um, to the grave as an angry old man. It's very yeah, it's very good. awesome lyric and a really catchy tune, and mm -hmm. I, I, I like it a lot. Yep, uh, I've loved these days. Oh, uh, this is really a nice tune too. Yep. Again, this is it's a this is a build, especially to the end of the album. This album ends so strong. Um mm -hmm. and its strongest moment is behind us and it still ends really, really strong. It just shows you that he's really inspired writing these few songs on this album. Um I've loved these days. He's got a bunch of songs that are like this when he's doing a really good job where he ends the album. Joel mentioned it once already, a song early, essentially. And that's what that's what's happening here with this one. And then it just yeah. turns out, hey, he's got another classic in him, and you get that, yeah. and you get even more. Um, but this feels like an album closer, and if he didn't always put his albums in creation order, it, I think it would have been because it's a much better album closer than what we get. Even yeah. though the next song, Joel, holy smokes. Yeah, the next song is uh, Miami 2017, Seen the Lights Go Out on Broadway. Little trip into the future. And I'm always, and this is this is what I hold against Ballad of Billy the Kid, is that this is the song I want to hear in concert. <laughs> All right. the people out east get this song, and we get Ballad of Billy the Kid, and it just feels yeah. a little condescending to me that that's how it works. Mm -hmm. And I've seen him a few times, and it's without fail that his little geography-based set list planning always results in this. Um, you know, yeah, I think you might be right. I think the Miami 2017 when I heard this out east gives a shout out to every borough of New York and everything, and it's basically a chance mm -hmm. for everybody to cheer as in the story of the song, their home, their neighborhood gets destroyed in the end of the world, right. and it's Miami 2017 is such a good song. I can't even tell you it's 
It's so good. It's weird, and it's. It, I guess it's not an absolute classic, but I think it's an East Coast classic of his. It's yeah. It's <sighs> really. It's really great. It's it's big. It's you know ballsy and um, and it's a stunner in concert. Truly, yeah. It really is. It's so good. Uh, all right, now we get to. Uh, this is now we're he now we're at Billy Joel at the height of his powers. He doesn't know that yet, though. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. The stranger. And um and that first track moving out Anthony's song, Ugh. yeah it yep. starts with the sound of the ca- car revving up right it always sounds more like a motorcycle to me but moving out that's what yep. they called it that's what they named the jukebox musical after it's another Bro. you know the neighborhood kids he's writing about people that from his mm-hmm. life that's what you should be doing I mean if you're left with nothing you should be writing about the things around you and the things you know and this song's full of people and weird characters that he knows anthony for sure um this is uh cadillac yak 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 yep for you those you guys who don't necessarily know that it's named moving out even though he says that a tons of times in it fantastic album opener fantastic sort of hit single that wasn't um but really really good song that's that's among his best and he, you know, <sighs> and he gets to like uh, kind of crip from uh, uh, from like uh, Layla and and songs like it, where they have the little uh, instrumental play out that that yeah, sounds. Yeah, and he gets on. to rock a little bit, but in a yep. natural way, the way he's capable of doing it, and that's mm-hmm. great too. So, yep. Uh, and then we get into the titular "The Stranger," with which starts with the whistling, whistle, right? The whistle, yeah. Um. Stranger's really, really good. Again, it's we've heard him do this song now a half dozen times up till this point. This is where it really starts to nail it. The, the, just that great lyrical turn of the phrase. You've got the intro and the outro, and this very classical sense of writing a, a pop song that's something more than a pop song. Um, I, the stranger's really really strong again again not yep. not a not a hit because not a single at all but an absolute classic and a, a mm-hmm. peg for this album uh yeah yeah and it's it, you know yeah and it's dark it's got a it's got a great darkness to it yeah um uh which uh considering the next song uh the song that his entire band hated but it was uh his biggest song it, it will eventually bring him many grammys just the way you are yeah, crazy. Why would they hate this song? Just because it's kind of wussy? Yeah, it, it just was like, because I think after moving out and The Stranger, it, you know, it's got this drive. It's got that. And then he's like, it's, and then he gets out the, he gets out the electric, you know, he gets out the, like the soft electric keyboard, you know. Yeah, the, it's a Rhodes electric, it's a Rhodes, Rhodes yeah, thank tour you. style electric piano he's playing on, which is a great sound. Babe and, and just the two of us think of mm-hmm. that. Same instrument. He's using it a little differently, but it's the same instrument. It's amazing. And just the way you are, I just wish we could free that from the bonds of it being a loser AM radio staple because it's such a wonderful 70s ballad. And he continued to write those. So what's wrong with this one? Admittedly, you can't play this on piano the way you play it on a Rhodes. This is almost inspired by the instrument he plays it on. So it, Mm -hmm. it is sort of trapped in what you can do with it. But I love it. I love just the way you are. When I was a kid, every time it came on the radio, I was excited to hear it. I, I, the lyrics lovely, and it, the hook yep, is another. fantastic. It deserved to be his biggest hit to this point, and it absolutely was. Number three on the Hot 
Billboard charts. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, and and often misplayed uh, the the uh, sheet music transcription uh, got it wrong, so you know when someone's using the, the sheet music and not figure. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. because it's it sounds uh, they, they the sheet music is written in and makes it sound much much happier and peppier and there's some there's some uh, incidental notes in there that you got to be uh, paying attention to. Um, all right, uh, epic song that we're going to cover in sixty seconds. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. So two songs that have nothing to do with each other mashed together, neither of which are great. That's my that's my wow. quick review of that one. Wow, yeah. Uh, I, I really mean, think if you take the two songs out and make it not a seven-minute song, you have not much of anything here. And I think the only thing special about it is its epicness, which I got to mm -hmm. say, that's pulling ideas out of the crapper and making something great out of them. But I, I'm not a fan of this. I feel like it's like Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I moan when I hear it start to play. Not because yeah. it's bad, but just because, oh, God, we're going to be here for the next whatever. <laughs> Buckle up. Oh, here comes listen Brenda about, and Eddie. Listen, listen about Brenda <laughs> and Eddie and their marriage and their divorce. And it's just yep. like, oh. And uh, just try to remember what color a bottle of wine you're supposed to be drinking <laughs> from. That was my struggle anytime. It's I weird because this is a classic. People love it. But I, I'm like, yep. I don't know, oh. Boomer. You, I, you tell me what's so great about it. I bet you you can't. All right. Uh, a song that is absolutely great and getting lots of love nowadays. Yeah. Vienna. Yeah. Vienna. Vienna, uh, Vienna is much better song. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good tune. Yeah, um, Vienna's a yeah, metaphor, it's but it's also sort of inspired by the real place. And it feels that way. It feels very European. And yet mm -hmm. the the melancholy in it and the lesson in it seem really, really well earned. So I'm glad it's getting low because Vienna is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's great. It's another you song. Uh, it is, uh, it, it's, you know, slow down your crazy child. It's, it's that, you know, it's that you want everything now. Um, you, you want to be Mozart right now, but just chill out. You can't. You got. But it's the there. it's the minor song on the great album that makes the album so great because it's awesome and it's not really mm -hmm. one of the ones you think of. So right, right. All right. Next up is only the good die young. Do 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 do. Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough like you, when you yeah. when we land on one of these is like what do you even say about it? you guys know only the good die young it's brilliant 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 tune yeah it, well it's that it's yeah i mean it's that it's that classic you know young man he's a he's a star and he you know am i gonna flame out am i gonna blah 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 you know if i die right now people will remember me as this it, they'll remember me for my hits right now and maybe i that's the way to go Maybe but, I should just but, disappear and go. But yeah. right, that's what's deep down in the song. I agree. But right on the surface of the song, it's this nostalgic song. Look back mm. at this time when he's dating and this girl that we all think we knew and this guy that we all think we are when we're thinking we're awesome and their relationship together. And it's it's like it's it's deeply nostalgic and yet forward thinking at the same time. It's super clever, super catchy, mm -hmm. big hit. Should have been. Yep. Another kind of whiplash tune there, but then we get into She's Always a Woman. 
Yeah, which this is again, this is a, this is uh, this really tells a true story of what this marriage was all about. This is very, mm-hmm. very much about his ex-wife and this song, like just the way you are, the two biggest hits from the album, both just totally disappeared, <laughs> like right away from his sort mm-hmm. of um, live over and like the things he was willing to talk about and engage in, which was weird. It got you got the sense that it was a guy, you know, resenting and ignoring his hit songs because they were overplayed or whatever. But I think it's more than that. I think those tunes are really about this relationship. And when this relationship ended, it was kind of painful to revisit mm-hmm. the positive aspects about it. But of course, what's brilliant about she's only a woman other than it's just a brilliant piano song is that the negative aspects of the relationship are in the song as well. And they're songs about things balancing out until they don't. And, and that's what's right. really, really cool about it. I think uh, the real story of what happened to Brenda and Eddie is she's always a woman. Yeah. Um, all right. Get it right. The first time. That's the main thing. Um, yeah. Get, I, get it right. The first time is kind of weird, but I really, really dig it. It's got a very cool, yeah groove to it and and the groove is everything which well a lot of 70s songs when you're thinking about like steely dan or bands like that this sort of the 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 rhythm beneath the things the thing that makes it come alive and i don't love this song but compared to some of the others surrounding it but compared to something like all you want to do is dance it's which it's very similar to it's awesome Mm -hmm. so yeah agreed um, and then he ends, uh, we go to church with Everybody Has a Dream. Yeah, which is great. Oh, this song's the designed, out. Yep. This song's designed to close the album. He knows it's closing mm-hmm. it, and he's like, what should I write? And it's, I don't want to keep using the word anthemic, because this isn't anthemic in the same way Captain Jack is, but it's... it's this is spiritual. This is spiritual. This is, uh, yeah, it, this we're is... We're all lightened bicks and swaying back and forth and singing the big mm-hmm. chorus singing the chorus together that's why they call it a chorus after all but you don't always see that and we've never seen that one of his songs before it's mm-hmm. a great album closer to a truly great star making album that's five albums in the works again i can't or is it four i can't it's five i can't stress how yeah. amazing it is that they let him get this far before he became a big rock star most people yeah. don't get five shots at it. So you know, a piano <laughs> right. man helped that helped. Yeah. Yeah. But it um, wasn't enough on its own for him to not be a one hit wonder. This song's got like four hit songs on it. Plus two other indelible classics. Plus uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant. So it's got something for everybody. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the very next year, 1978, another banger, 52nd street, first track, big shot. This is Billy Joel at his most biting and negative. Even the mm-hmm. even the p- ballads on this album are depressing <laughs> yep. and angry. And mm-hmm. it's because his world's falling apart. His managers run off with his money and his wife. And yep. he's been left with nothing. And he's got to go back to work. And he's just got nothing but bile and darkness. Um, the thing that's great about Big Shot is is really how judgy and awful it is. It's a real, it's the judgiest of judgy songs, mm-hmm. and but that's awesome. It's catchy. It rocks. Um, Russell Jabber's guitar and Liberty DeVito's drums on this, in particular, his touring band is now his studio band, and you can Correct. really really feel that. And the other thing that's well, I guess we'll get to the other thing that's great about it later. But Big Shot's fantastic. Um, Real quick, Big Shot uh, introduced this song to my son, and he's like, Dad, what's a dincha? 
And I'm like, I, I don't understand. He's like, you got to be a big shot, didn't you? Hey, and I'm hey. like, I'm like, oh, didn't you? So now my son and I went like when we want to like kind of poke fun at each other or like in you know, like that dude's a dincha. It's so it's affected vocals that actually work and are fun yeah. to do yourself Absolutely. and that you don't feel kind of dirty doing, which is nice. Yep. And he gets, that's when he rages out on stage, too. It's it's uh, it's fantastic it's a, song. Fantastic yeah. live song. Everything about yep. it is good. All right. Next up is honesty. Such a lonely uh, word. Honesty's yep. not on any of his greatest hits albums. It's insanity. Why? Somebody uh, has yeah. to. Exp- I've never gotten an explanation for that, and somebody has to. It was a big hit. It was. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful song. What, what's missing? The only you hear only the same loser anecdote about it all the time, which is that it it was this tune he had kicking around for years. And would all play it on the piano, kind of in between recording sessions and stuff. And his drummer and friend, Liberty DeVito, started singing sodomy along to it. So he felt he finally had to write lyrics to it. So it didn't <laughs> become the sodomy song. But it, <laughs> yeah, honesty, really, really good. Very Elton Johnny, you know, very yeah. Bernie Toppin style lyrics and, and fantastic. And why. a big yeah. hit single. And I just, it's weird that again, it's sort of been left behind. Came back out in the Russia tour a little bit, but that's mm-hmm. it. Um, I did hear Elton John uh, sing this song in uh, in their. It, side it's by side. perfect for yeah. Elton, right? Yeah. Um, all right, next up is it's uh, like it's Billy Joel's. Sorry, seems to be the hardest word is what it is to me. Those two yeah. songs are kissing cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is my life. Ooh. Yeah, that's what that's somewhere. Somewhere, if you go visit uh, our friend Dana's page, you'll hear Joel tell a really fun story about me and him singing karaoke <laughs> to my life that we can't tell in 40 seconds. No, we can't. <laughs> my life's great, kind of created by the producer. It's an excellently produced and cut hit mm-hmm. single. It's got fantastic lyrics. It was the theme for ages until the rights got revoked to Booze and Buddies on TV and syndication, which I loved. Um it's got Donnie Dacus and Peter Cetera singing along on the choruses. It's it's got it's a piano song, but it's a piano song and kind of the only the way he does it where it's it's hard to explain, but it's like only Billy Joel could have wrote my life, and yet mm-hmm. it's so catchy and universal. And to me, that's pop magic in yeah. a nutshell. I love it. Ab- I love that absolutely. Song. Uh, all right, next up is Zanzibar. Piano, piano man for the jazz cocaine seventies, <laughs> basically, is what it is. It yeah. really is. Yeah. This really is the remake of Piano Man. Most people will go like, "What?" Even people who've known him forever, but it is that. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it's a different bar. It's and a different Allie weird dances, group of characters that he's applause. singing about. Yep. It's a. It, this is a character he's sort of making up now. This is some young kid that he's looking at, looking back as you know on the. The I got a jazz guitar guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, really like Zanzibar because if you're going to kind of remake a song, it's 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 almost like a send up of that style of song. And yet it 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 has so many cool moments and surprising musical moments in it. I, I quite dig it. I believe uh, sitting in your dorm room many, many moons ago, I was playing and you decided to quiz me on could I play uh, any Billy Joel song. And you were, you know, going along and you went, ha ha, Zanzibar. Zanzibar. And I went, and you were like, holy shit. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I'm like, unfortunately, that's all I know of it. I that's, it was that. enough. That was enough to pass no. the test. Um, all right, next up, Stiletto. Such a, again, yeah. really dark, ugly, gross 
urban New York yeah. sort of jazz song about a femme fatale. Everyone's written rock songs about this chick. She's coming to get you. She's going to ruin your life. <laughs> yeah, yep. You know what I mean? It Maybe it's going to be worth it for a while, but you're really going down, mate. And that's what the tune mm-hmm. is. And it's it's and the fact that it's that it's called stiletto it's outstanding the yep. getting stabbed by the knife or the high heel it doesn't really matter when it when the when the pain feels so good very very clever tune really really yep. great way to start the second side of 52nd street right and then we get a, a massive tonal change here with uh rosalinda's eyes yeah well i think again if if we're if he's creating this in order i think at some point here he's like geez it can't all be <laughs> yeah it can't all yeah. be dark alleys and, you know, whatever. My my life isn't exactly that. Neither is honesty. But it's still, it's a it's a dark album. And Rosalinda's Eyes, because it doesn't really follow that template, it's kind of the worst song on the album. It's not that it's bad. It's just mm-hmm. this one feels like it's here because something like this has to be in this spot. And, that's, and this was the best we could do. <laughs> and right. it's, that's not bad, but that's not... It's not inspired like mm-hmm. the rest of this has been. Today. He'd been he'd been trying to write a song about his mom, and he had he had a few songs about his mom, and this was the one that ended up he he went with for the for the album. So it's uh, neat, you know. but I it, it's weird to me that it's about his mom because I just I don't feel that. But yeah, yeah, I get why you turn to mom in your dark moments to come up with something yeah. positive. That's cool. Sure, sure. All right, next up is half a mile away. I don't even. Um, even this is sac- we get some good saxophone mark rivera saxophone oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 right uh half a mile away yeah and uh yeah so we get the yeah and but it, we're you know, thoroughly a- into the into the contractual obligated part of the album <laughs> you know, I, no that is absolutely perfect we're like we need he's this run out to- of angry inspiration mm-hmm. and now he's just trying to fill out the rest of this like thing yeah you stuff. you have yeah you have three more songs you got to give us there bill <laughs> Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and really, you know, with the, and with the next song too, now, uh, but the back of the album or the album shows him holding a saxophone and the saxophone is definitely a a star (laughs) of this record. So yeah, that's, he doesn't play the saxophone, but that's not what's important. Yeah. 52nd street, you know, the idea is, yeah, he's a busker. He, you know, it's, it's a guy standing on a corner playing the saxophone for money and a hat. And this is everything he's seeing around him. Um, and, and we get that with until the night too. Uh, much, much better you, tune. You just might make it. Um, real, real quick. I, I mean, not really about the song, uh, that my, until the night. I once sang this at an audition, um, and really, you know, really committed to it and tried to do it in a, in, in a theatrical style, tell the story. And, uh, and the, um, the, the director behind the table was like, what show is that from? And I said it's not from a show. It's uh, it's from it's a Billy Joel song. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Um, don't ever, don't ever do that again. <laughs> uh, that said, so. as a Billy Joel song, more or less ending an album, not quite, but yeah. pretty much. Uh, yep. Until the night's a big, booming, epic mm-hmm. sort of play out ballad of which he excels at. It's a good one. Yep. But it doesn't end the album, does it? We get no. 52nd Street. A little sax ditty to play yep. us out, which is actually a great way to end the album. So um, no yeah. more needs to be said about that. Awesome. All right, let's go to 1982 years later. Glass Houses is the album. First track, You May Be Right, I May Be Crazy. 
glass houses with him standing outside the glass house with the rock. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's about as perfect. That's that pretty much introduce- sums up Billy Joel visually right yep. there in one idea. That was uh, my introduction to him was that we, there used to be those little bubble gums that were in the shape of records. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this one has my name on it, Billy Joel. And I got it. And he's like, oh, that's cool. He's standing in front of a glass house. He's got a rock. He's going to shatter. And then I listened to it. And I'm like, oh, what's this? And then boom, there we go. Not nearly as much piano on this album. He's embracing new wave song styles, mm-hmm. but the singer songwriter is still there. You may be right. It's basically just Big Shot again, but mm-hmm. it was a huge hit because it's different enough and because it's a really, really great fantastic song that angry white boomers really really identified with the yeah angst it's, in it, I think. again uh, yeah great big big angsty <sighs> chorus it's really good uh and then we get sometimes a fantasy oh i really like of course i really mm-hmm. i'm a child of the 80s and and sometimes a fantasy is this very again very 80s new wave style uh approach to songwriting and it's it's I love it. I love sometimes a fantasy, a minor yep. chart hit, but uh, of on the first side of Glass Houses, which is pop perfection, really. Um, mm-hmm. It's the one that sort of got left behind, but I really, really dig it. I love the keyboards in it. I love the play out yep. of it. I love the oh's. That I just yep. love all that stuff. So yeah, skinny, it's, skinny tie, new wave Billy Joel at its best. Uh, this is absolutely skinny tie Billy Joel. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's got. You know, he's still got a really young man's angst. That's, you know, and that's that's what, uh, you know, we still get a, we still get a lot of that. Um, but he's having the, fun here in a way where 52nd mm-hmm. Street was dour and serious. And right. even the throwaway songs were like trying to dig deep. This is him bouncing around and having a good time and rocking out and you feel it. <clears throat> and no more so than on this next song. Yeah, absolutely. Don't ask me why. Um yeah, what, don't ask me why. What is that? That's like a little, almost like a bossa nova type beat. You know, it's weird. It's it's in a weird. It comes in a weird yeah. spot. But again, it just this is a big classic Billy Joel song. It's a big hit song. Mm-hmm. All three of these songs so far were singles, as was the next song. Yep, as was the next song. And and they you feel that it's just just the magic of pop creation. And this is a more mercenary tune, but it it comes to life in a brilliant way that it's super, super catchy yeah. and super fun. It's super catchy. I always yeah, forget I, it's from this album. It sounds like a leftover from the stranger to me, but it, it's really, really good. Very good point. Yeah. Um, all right. And then we get uh, one of his most divisive songs um, from really. Uh, yeah. It's still rock and roll to me. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people do not like this song. Why? Um, Cause they're idiots. Because, What's not to well, like about this song? Well, because it's it's uh, it's the poppiness of it. It's the it's the the superficial poppiness of it. Of like saying this is what's cool and blah blah. blah. And, and again, this it's is a rock, skinny tie. It's a rock really star dull. writing yeah. about rock, and more yeah. than that, just like he's defending it. He's saying all mm-hmm. this shit that you complain about the disco, the synthesizers this is all it's all rock and roll baby just chill mm-hmm. out and have a good time i have no idea why anyone could hate that sentiment it's yeah it's not it's the opposite of judgy it's pulling everything in i love it's still rock and roll to me i love the sentiment behind it i think the lyrics are extremely clever it's catchy it's his first number one hit ever yeah. Yeah. and and it deserves to be it's one of the best songs in 1980 in my opinion 
Yep, great, great bounce to it. Uh, one of my favorite songs, All for Lena. My God, I love All for Lena so much. Both Joel and I, I love this in an outsized way. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, yeah, it is, it's, it's incredible piano hard, hook. Yeah. Um, an incredible story song of a guy going just down into the abyss because it's a, a, a infatuation and obsession with the girl mm-hmm. and the way all the things in his life are coming at him. It, it, there's nothing in it for you. Cause I'm doing it all for Lena. I love all for Lena. It's my favorite Billy Joel song to sing along with in the car. Bar Absolutely. none. Great keyboard solo toward the, you know, that the, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, not yeah, not a super- hit. First song on the album that's not a hit or a Stone Cold classic, but it closes right. out the first side just miraculously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next we got "I Don't Want to Be Alone." Who does really? Yeah, I don't want to. Now alone. we're on the sort of uh, quietly awesome but completely mm-hmm. inferior second side of Glass Houses, and it'll be harder Correct. for me to talk to, about these songs, even though none of yeah. them are bad, and one of them's almost classic as the rest. This isn't one of them, though. I don't want to be alone. It's not bad. I like it because I, he, wh- what I like about it is in here, he's calming down from yeah. all that angry, angsty stuff that we've had for an album and a half so far. And he's getting more in touch with that contemplative side of himself. And I don't want to be alone. I always thought was almost him making peace with him being on his own during this era where I think he created some of his best music, which is weird. Yeah. It's the opposite yeah. of what he's saying, but you feel that in it. Yeah, and then following that, we get Sleeping With The Television On. Yeah, really, um, really which, good. New Wave-inspired yeah. uh, rock song. Correct. Yeah, just really nice, fun pop. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, again, Sleeping With Tell, it, it's not it's not a banger. It's not a one no, no, that you're going to, you know, it's not one that you're going to go, ah, yes, I can't wait. It for evokes the, the same you know? loneliness that we're feeling, and yet it there's something about mm-hmm. it. I don't know, Sleeping With the Television On is great. It starts with it's the, the hat. With the national the anthem version. playing in the background, mm-hmm. that's what used to happen when yeah. TV went off. And then it comes in. Yeah. Um, and it's the happier version of sometimes a fantasy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's right. that late the night, less those angry late night thoughts. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Now we get into um uh, toi. Mm. You are the one. La, la by many people, the worst ever Billy Joel song. Yeah, it's up there. It's, it's in, in there. the conversation, right? It has to be mm-hmm. because what are you doing here, dude? Again, yeah. it's it, it, what he's doing is he's had a thing he came into this with, and it's the idea, the drive has completely left the building, and so he's now yep. he's just trying to get to the end, get to the ten songs. <laughs> I mean, I really do feel like that's what's yeah. happening here, and and he's running out of time, and so well, let's try this, and it's. It shouldn't be hated. It's it's lovely. It's nice. I get what he's going for, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's really really corny, and, and and it's surrounded by these other tunes. It's it it feels even more so, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. Gotta love a little Long Island French. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Then we get close to the borderline. Uh. Close to the borderline's better. Step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good recovery. Yeah. Not great song, but pretty good one. I mean, I like it definitely. Yeah, it's it's a bop. It, it's got good. It's got a good beat to it. It's got a good drive. It's a good he, pop song. He set out to write pop rock songs, and that's as good. Even the the name of the thing is as cliched a pop rock song as you could have, but mm-hmm. it it fits with the rest of these in a great way, which is cool. 
Yep. Um, and then finally to cap off glass houses through the long night. Um, yeah. Some wonderful harmonies. Some play, playing with some uh, playing with some interesting harmonies. Uh, the, one of the first times I really recognized him. Sort of, uh, um, yeah, trying some different things with the with. It, with yeah, the it's songcraft over over inspiration again. But it, it in this case the songcraft is very very clever and really interesting. Uh, sometimes you can go too far in that direction and the whole thing falls apart and you don't even really have a catchy song anymore. But that's not what happens here through the long night. It's a great way to end a really, really, really good album that yeah. is beloved by many. It is it is up there and, and as one of my all time favorites. But uh, in 1982, my uh, my absolute favorite Billy Joel song came out and that would be the Nylon Curtain um and the first track on that is allentown song that had been kicking around for years that he basically put reaganomic angsty lyrics to about the factories closing down and really this is these are still issues that are very much you know i think ways lots of us liberal idiots didn't realize are still with us today and he he man he tells a really great story from the point of view of the you know, the, the person chasing the American dream in the most modest way and how the rug's just been completely pulled out from underneath them. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a catchy song. It's got the little steam bells and things, the little sound effects that sort of propel it along yeah, and make, the, make, the make big, it an 80s song. The big pipe that dude's hitting with a hammer. But yeah, it's a really, really lyrically good. Even though the song is old, he really <sighs> breathed new life into it, and it's one of the best songs on this album. Absolutely. Remember all the problems he tons was having of, with tons of empathy in it, which is unlike him, frankly. Yeah. And it, and oh, it very, works really, really great. Great point. Absolutely. Um, remember the problems he was having with Lena? Well, <laughs> he's having them again with Laura, his goddaughter, right? This is clearly yeah, was, a guy yeah. singing to a younger person. And this is the other Paul McCartney song where the thing really flies. This is one of Joel's keeping it under wraps over there. But this is one of Joel's favorite mm -hmm. Billy Joel songs. And it, Absolutely it's, it's, it it's worthy to be one. It's a great, weird personal story. His age and maturity is in the songwriting. And yet the him turning, it's not a Beatles ripoff song at all, but it, 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 it's got just enough of that that you that you get what he's going for in this great way. And the, 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 the production of it, the sound is so big, yeah. but he sings his lyrics uh, really earnestly. And, and, it, and, and it really, uh, to me, it's such a wonderful balance. It, it, it's, uh, it's really, really fun. Laura, uh, you know, I, I wish, it. I wish you could benefit from all my failure, but you just have to figure this shit out for yourself is basically what Correct. it is. And it, and, and it's him making peace with that. He can't intervene in any meaningful mm -hmm. thing. It's, it's, it, that's a big message to be in a pop song and it's a really great one. Yep. Next up is a song that most people, when they get their first keyboard, they learn this keyboard <laughs> solo, uh, and it's Pressure. Pressure, right? There hasn't been a Billy Joel concert go by since its creation that hasn't featured it prominently. Pressure's yeah. got a great keyboard hook to it. Um, it's got a great lost uh, third verse that they cut out on the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's... 
it's really, really cool sign of our times, like just reacting to the world around him sort of thing. This is the sort of thing that it's too bad, but in, in retrospect, people judge him really harshly for his limited way of seeing the world. Well, he sees it the way he sees it. I mean, I've just never seen that as like a bad thing. I get that there's condescension and, and, and a decent amount of bile in that, which people don't like, but it, there's honesty in it. You know, when he stopped, trying to make everything so pretty is really when he found his voice as an artist, in my opinion. And, and I think that's, what's powerful about his stuff. Yeah, Pressure really, doesn't you... feel very personal, but it's outstanding. I think. Um, also we get in this, uh, we really start to get, I'm trying to quick scroll back here. I mean, not since big shot, did we get him really using his voice in an aggressive way? He's, he's very like, like you said, he's not, as interested in sounding good as he is sounding correct, sounding right, sounding appropriate, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and, and sounding angry. Um, and we get that a lot. Uh, we get that a little bit with the next song, Good Night Saigon, his hymn to Vietnam. And completely embraced by the Vietnam community and the MIA POW community and stuff like this. This is a, it, it, I, I found that artists, who had nothing to do with Vietnam, who wrote about Vietnam were almost universally, at least in this era, embraced by veterans. Different veterans come out to his shows and, and stand behind him. They're just invited up on stage mm -hmm. um, to share in this. It's, it's a really, really good song. It's, it's really pretentious. This is the, in 1982, socially conscious amnesty internationals everything people complained about over meaning rock but it it has an amazing chorus it tells an, a unique and amazing sort of vietnam experience story it first person which is a really brave thing for him to do and i i just think it's a very very admirable tune if not yep. the absolute classic it's sort of treated as as a, as a song is still really really good and surprising move from him i mean if mm -hmm. if you're going to do Socially conscious songwriting, this is the way to do it, in my opinion. Great. Um, all right, next up is She's Right on Time. Yeah, she is. And this is sort of a, this was tried to be the third single off the album, but this song's a little complicated melodically mm -hmm. to, to have pulled that off, but it had a video and everything, I believe. Yeah, it's a, you can't, you, this ain't a sing-along song. It's That's what's hard it's, to sing along It's with. weird, it's complicated. So, But I get that mm -hmm. you, they were didn't want to release the, eight minute <laughs> Vietnam song yeah. and Laura has some bad language in it and other problems. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? It's funny that an album that we love so much really is only has the couple of obvious hits. Um, but she's right on time. It's really cool. I dig it. It's, it's, yeah. and it's sort of a holiday tune in a weird way. It, you're absolutely right. It is kind of a holiday tune. It's an egg place in my Christmas uh, mix. <laughs> um, uh, a room of our own. Uh, yeah, I like A Room of Our Own yeah. less. Um, but I get it. I think yeah. it's kind of neat. It's a good, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a fine song. It's a filler. I mean, it, it, in the, it, in terms of all the songs on this album, uh, it, I mean, you're like, yeah, like, yeah, okay. This is fine. But I mean, it's, this'll it's, do the trick. <laughs> this'll do the trick. Uh, but it ain't, you know, it ain't great. It's fine. It's, it's not great, and it's it's kind of funny because his next album's just full of this song over and over and over again. And they're all awesome. you know what? Yeah, you the, yeah. It, you, what you, it you, takes you. is not the an idea, but it takes a 
person to inspire a love song, in my opinion. And that when you once once you got a person, <laughs> it made all the difference, mm-hmm. basically. And then it shouldn't surprise you at all with the next track, surprises. Oh, I don't. What surprises? I don't know. I'll let you do that one. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no surprises. Again, uh, big uh, um, uh, electronic keyboard. Uh, lots. Of, you know, again, it's it's really moody. Um, you know, don't be excited. Don't be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't surprise you at all. Kind of yeah. a McCartney riff. No, the, that's a good course. song, actually. I'm sorry, yeah. I shouldn't have been, but it didn't jump out at me. I guess it's the title. No, it's. The, yeah, the title's not sung in the way like pressure and whatever is. So it doesn't mm-hmm. stick with you. Those those tend to be trickier. That's not. It's not bad. This whole album is really really good. It's a really it's, good. It's a solid song. album. Yeah. It's so yeah. It's this is the album that gets played more than any for me. Um, next up, Scandinavian Skies. Also yep. a really cool tune. Yep. Um, yeah. Real some some fun uh, musical things going on here. Uh, you know, with, with, different uh, sort of experimentation when they were making nylon mm-hmm. curtain, they didn't run out of time like they did on a couple of albums. So these songs at the end are, even though they're not the classic songs, they're fully realized productions. Um, his producers, Phil Ramone still at this yep. point and has been for a while since the stranger, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, he gets it, you know, and this, this song's pretty good because of that. Yeah. And the next song even more so is like, a huge production thing um yeah this next song uh the story that i told where they the guy was like oh what is that a bill and i said it's a billy joel saying so never do that again uh this song <laughs> where's the orchestra is a song i have sung in auditions i've sung it in concert i have sung it, and when i tell people that it's a billy joel tune they are astonished they have no idea i love this song where's the orchestra it's really, really good. It's really good, and it's obviously a Billy Joel song, except it, it, when you pull it out of context, and it really isn't, because it, mm-hmm. it isn't much like anything else we know about him, especially from this era. I think if you told them it was from 1982, too, they'd be equally astonished. It's a beautiful tune. It's a huge, lush mm-hmm. thing, and yet it doesn't seem to be at least nothing I know of, whereas I can hear the influences. I don't hear them here. I'm not sure what they are, which just makes it all the better, frankly, because it makes it feel all the more original. The lyric yeah. is winsome and beautiful and the fantastic it's, way to end an album. It is. It's so sad. It's so wonderful. This character is so uh, not where uh, he thought he was um, or where he was supposed to be. Um, it is. I mean, it's a, it's, there is a clear character in Where's the Orchestra that to me has always, uh, I've always just loved as, as someone who's, who's lived in the theater. Um, all right, let's jump ahead into An Innocent Man, 1983's Innocent Man. Um, and the first track is Easy Money. Rock it out to Easy Money. Mm-hmm. What was this movie that this was for? This was that. Uh... It was for a Rodney Dangerfield movie called Easy Money. Was it Easy Money? Why did I think it was? Oh no, I'm thinking of a different. There's. A I'm not sure which Billy... came first, the song or the movie, and the movie used the song because it was named the mm-hmm. same thing or whatever. But it's. Uh, it was the first song he worked on for this record, and it's it's standout song because it's there's nothing like Easy Money for the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it rocks and it's fun. And it rocks and it's fun. I mean, it doesn't get much more complicated than that for that tune. But I like mm-hmm. it's a good album lead off. Yeah. Not as good as recent ones we've had, but decent enough. Right. Um, and, and that leads into uh, the, again, the titular, the the album track, uh, the titular album track usually appears a, a lot of times in this number two position. And that's An Innocent Man. Really, really, really good song. The whole yeah. album, he said, I mean, obviously the whole album is about his love is falling in love with his second wife, Christy Brinkley. And just, it's about falling in love again. And it's mm-hmm. full of the sound. The lyrics are pretty sophisticated, especially on an innocent man on innocent man. The music rises to meet the sophisticated lyrics on mm-hmm. most of the songs on this album. The songs are deliberately simple and fun and throwbacks to different eras and stuff. Yeah. Um, this tune though is, the sort of stairway to heaven of the thing where it just, it really is the whole story in one song. And you yeah. almost felt like he could have just gone home, but needed some of yeah. that <laughs> after this, but yeah, needed he, some of that was... easy money. So he kept writing pop songs. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, this was, uh, you know, it, this one pays tribute to Benny King, the, you know, stand by me, that baseline, yeah. uh, the drifters. Yeah. Um, and then we get, uh, then if you had any doubt about what this album was going to be, you get it with this next song. Uh, the longest time. Whoa! Uh, full on doo wop here. Full on doo wop. Uh, fantastic vocal arrangement. Um, bunch of Billy Joel's singing together. That's a fun little thing. Tough to recreate in concert, but for, yeah. what, for what became a pretty big hit. But it's a great song. I mean, it's a yeah, fantastic I mean, I recreation of a doo-wop song. It's no wonder everybody loved it and still loves it. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. And it's positive and full of life and love and yearning and stuff. And what's mm-hmm. not to like about that? That's what great pop songs are. Comes from the heart. Yep. Um, and next up is, um, I, think, I think it's my favorite track on the album. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, this is uh, Beethoven as a pop song, uh, This Night. Oh yeah, um, well, except that it just completely rips off Beethoven, right? That's yeah. the only problem with it. Yeah, that, but there's something. I mean, there's something I like about it. Is it's like you're listening to this and you just kind of make up your own lyrics to it, and he ends <laughs> up he ends up creating this really lovely, uh, this really lovely. Well, right, and as a rip off yeah. of a Beethoven tune, it's very knowing. It's 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 very knowing. It it like I mean, he credits it, he credits Beethoven. Right, the, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. that. The inspiration, it's more than just, oh, the, uh, during my chorus here, I'm going to sing your tune. There's there's more Beethoven-esque stuff sort of hidden in it, even though it, it mm-hmm. also wackily fits into the old late 50s, early 60s doo-wop style of the rest of the album, too. It's yeah, pretty this clever. Is a, it's little, a little too clever for me, though. But Yeah, I, pi- I always picture like a 1950s prom and this song, that, right. that song being yeah, sung at the prom. Totally. Um, next up, Tell Her About It. Yeah, it's a fun game. Right. We won't talk too much about Tell Her About It, although the video is fantastic. Here, Billy's yeah. in prime MTV era and delivers a great video, which is good. Um, you could ask people who think they even know Billy Joel really well. They'll have a really hard time with this. Ask them what his three number one songs were. The first thing out of their mouth is guaranteed to be wrong. And 
they may stumble upon the other two of the three. The one they will <laughs> never, ever guess is tell her about it. Right. I've, I've played this joke on many, 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 many people through the years, and they never remember that Tell Her About It was a number one song because it came and it went. You know, it had the big video. It certainly sums up, again, the style of the album. Uh, fantastic guardian angel telling a kid to express his feelings to the girl he loves. Uh, there's mm-hmm. nothing not to like about that. But it doesn't get performed in concert much. It just sort of... <sighs> Poof, went away. And weirdly, Uptown Girl, and, and which we're about to talk about, and for the longest time, and even some of the others are considered like more classic songs. But the number one right. Billboard hit from An Innocent Man is Tell Her About It. Yep, and we get, uh, we're get we at Uptown we've, Girl. The other number one hit we've already finale. talked about for the sake of the game is uh, still Rock and Roll to Me. Roll to Me, yep. I'll tell you um, the other one when we get to it. When we get, yep. Uh, Uptown Girl with uh with the we get to you know yeah it's all this is this is christy brinkley this is this is all about holy crap there's no reason why this this woman should uh, be into me but yeah. she is he's completely out of his league that's a and that's mm-hmm. a great feeling and it's a great song from that perspective and we all so mm-hmm. empathize with that and it's a great self-deprecating song again there's no angst or bitterness here there's a little winsomeness on this album but there's it's the positivity is off yeah. the hook and it's fun and infectious it's why it's his best-selling album of all time yeah happy billy joel is a weird thing it is but 10 great love songs is that mm-hmm. you know eight of which he knocks out of the park it's like really hard to argue with right. how good the quality of the music is all right next up is careless talk oh careless talk it's a little Sam Cooke uh, action kind of going on there. Why yeah, not? We've had everybody else yeah. up to this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, it's just a throwback sounding song. It's not It's not one of the best ones. Maybe the worst one, if I had to pick one. Maybe Easy Money yeah. is worse. Um, I don't love Easy Money. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't, that, no, I don't think anybody favorite. does. But it, I appreciate it's that it is something different on an album of all the same stuff. Yeah. Um, Whereas this is the same, but not as good as the others. So that's my right. take. That's my take for you on 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 this one. Uh, next up is uh, Christy Lee. Yeah, why not just piano. call her out by name? We're we're, <sighs> mm-hmm. we're dating now, wherever we were at the beginning of the album <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with trust issues and stuff. Now we're together. I'll just I'll throw it out there and sing a happy love song to you. It's pretty good, but it's. It's coming after the kind of low point of the record, and it it doesn't rebound great until you get to the last two tunes, which are as good a last coupling pair as there is for him. And we needed a little harmonica, so we go with a little Leave a Tender Moment Alone. Really, really good song. Shocking to get a song this good at this point of this album with this many hits in it. And yet here it is, single Mm -hmm. number five, which was a hit. Yep. Unbelievably. It's, good, and yeah, it's a good track. It is very, and I love the harmonica. It always makes me think of Stevie Wonder, but that's not the worst thing to be thinking Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and then to close out this one, we get Keeping the Faith. Again, amazing that there's another, that he has another big hit pop song mm-hmm. in him at this point in the record. It's not how these, we've had good closers and really weak closers, but rarely does he just keep you just any you just felt like he just could have kept going forever he's hot you're hot man yeah. everything you're writing is turning to gold um 
Keeping the Faith's great. Keeping the Faith's got a fun video. I don't love Keeping the Faith, I guess, as much as some people, but yeah, I, I get the appeal. It's really, really great. It's got a, yeah, it's got a fun, uh, it, it's a fun beat. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it captures uh, everything that, uh, you know, a kid growing up on Long Island wants to, to think about. Um, it sums up the whole album you know, in a really, really great yeah. way. It, 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 at least the nostalgia of the album, it sums up perfectly. It's a great way right. to end it. Uh, and I think you're right. He he could have kept going. So in 1985, we get uh, his, they, they release, uh, you know, because such a huge success of innocent man, the release of greatest hits one and two. Um, but to kind of, yeah. And even though, in, the, even though innocent man was a 1983 album, it, 1984 radio was full of these songs. So they, mm -hmm. it, it, it went, it had huge coattails and went on and on and on. We just at six hit songs. That's amazing. That's really amazing. It's a, was a blockbuster eighties record. And, and and so they released the greatest hits one and two so that people could get all of the all of the songs that were pre you know all of the great songs that were previous or you know even though it doesn't have honesty least. on it or keeping right. the faith or leave a tender or, moment alone yeah um yeah they threw those on and the and uh, the the innocent man stuff they put on the the volume three but uh but we did get two original tunes um in on greatest hits uh one and two and so we are including them um and and they're they're good songs in their in their own right uh second win you're only human big huge hit song with a giant mm -hmm. multi-million dollar budgeted music video yeah um and a very typical of 85 rock songs everyone had one at the time it was like a, a good advice or keep your chin up partner type song yep don't, um, don't kill yourself hey don't go killing yourself don't go killing yourself be good to yourself there's a whole there's a whole bunch of songs mm -hmm. that artists were doing at this time especially on columbia which is his record label um I don't know why. Maybe that was an edict from the top, or maybe it was just a weird coincidence. Yeah. We needed it. 85 was rough, man. We yeah. Any any sort of positivity you can give us. I, I, I dig this tune. It is, it's mercenary in a way that I got to write once. I got to write a couple songs for this project. I haven't written a couple songs in a couple of years. One of them's got to get on the radio and be a big hit. And this, that one did. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then uh, the other song on that album is "The Night Is Still Young." Yeah, big, um, another big, long, like ending song. <laughs> yeah, he ends his greatest hits with it. Wasn't a hit really, but it it is good enough to sit with that big double albums collection of classics, and mm -hmm. it has that great going on, playing on forever. Like after it fades out, it, you think it's still playing somewhere, kind of mm -hmm. deal to the thing. Uh, I dig it. It's a lot of it's Phil Spectory again, which we don't really need, but it it yeah, it's it's neat. It's a, that's a good song. So I mean, if yeah. you're only going to get two in three four years, those these two are are worthy. I would yeah. say. Yeah, um, and so we get um, it's, so then yeah, nineteen uh, that greatest hits come out in eighty five, uh, eighty six we get an, a brand new album. And um, it, it's called The Bridge, and it is people are very excited. Very countdown on MTV to when this album was going to come out. <laughs> right. And we get uh, the first track on The Bridge is Running on Ice. Uh, same sort of prelude, angry young man, like style, mm -hmm. high energy style to the to the intro to the song. Running on Ice is catchy and fun. It moves too fast, though, to be a song that 
like it, it's weird to me running on ice always sounds even though it's supposed to sound this way it always sounds like unbelievable to me <laughs> this song can't <laughs> quite exist in a normal place where a song would be i don't know yeah. but it's meant to be a high energy you know start to an album which it is it's very catchy so off to a good start as far as those things go better than easy money anyway yeah um and so next up is uh this is the time uh, uh, the time to remember right not a hit not a single either but a, a, basically the the fan favorite song from this album mm -hmm. i think this album isn't it's not more christy lee stuff you know there's a little bit of that in here but he's trying to write a more sophisticated song for a more sophisticated audience and they're not really buying in so i think the real classics from this record a couple of big chart hits but the real classics from this record emerged later as you lived yeah. with it for a while no song represents that more than this is the time which is very much already a melancholy interior look at a relationship that just started like the mm -hmm. last song last songs we just listened to were all fallen in love and now we're like questioning everything but <laughs> but but it's a hopeful song and i think yeah. that makes it i think that's why people love it yeah and then uh so when this album came out you know the first video off of this was uh, a matter of trust and it's billy joel playing a guitar blew people's minds what how he's not supposed to be playing a guitar uh, it's matter of trust. Matter of trust is a great 1986 hit single. Really, really good song. Mm -hmm. um, really great. It 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 it's weird because even though it was the leadoff single from the bridge, the the other single came out months earlier because it was tied to a movie again. So right. So we've already had a hit song of Billy Joel's months before we got this album even though it's in the order he sort of created it still. But mm -hmm. I like Matter of Trust. I don't mind him playing the guitar. The video's no, fun. fun. Um, the songs, again, I don't think it's necessarily what people wanted. It's not a Stone Cold classic, but it's a really, really good pop song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then so next up is uh, Modern Woman. An exceptional pop song. Very yeah. 86 sort of overproduced, so not quite like the stuff – not quite like the mm -hmm. throwback stuff from Innocent Man, but this is the most Innocent Manny tune on here. And again, very inspired by his relationship. It was used very famously in the film Ruthless People, which was the first R-rated movie that, that Disney put out. That's what I, that's what no, I was trying to think of earlier. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, although it has nothing to do with that movie, but that's so much the better, I guess, because right. you don't have to think of the two things tied together. But... This was actually the big hit from this record, but it, it, it was it already been a hit. And the the album really only produced Matter of Trust, only really one more hit afterwards. So, And it didn't sell nearly as well as his last huge blockbuster album or his greatest hits album. So it's considered right. something of a disappointment. But mm -hmm. I love Modern yeah, Woman. That's fun to hear. Modern Woman, you can hear you can hear the shoulder pads on Modern Woman. Um <laughs> So next up is uh, the first of his collaborations on on this album, yeah. and it's uh, "Baby Grand," which he sang with Ray Charles. It, it, you wrote a song in the style of Ray Charles and asked Ray to sing it with him and <laughs> play the yeah. piano. I mean, my God, it's a love song to the piano by two of the greatest piano men ever. I mean, mm -hmm. how could it not work? And it does. It works like gangbusters. It's yeah 
a really charming song. Um, got some attention in radio, even though it wasn't released as a single. It it's weird because he he's he's ahead of the game a lot with some of the stuff he's doing. Certainly bringing doo wop back. Certainly this early '80s socially conscious stuff really didn't start happening until around now and Peter Gabriel and yeah. Simple Minds and all that started going totally. And this collaboration, bring the old guy in and do his song with them. That it's all we got for the next mm-hmm. however many seven years. This is the best version of that kind of thing. The the least yeah. cynical, the best executed, and the best. What is the core of the thing? And here it mm-hmm. lives and breathes on your turntable for you. Really, really great tune. So after uh, after the uh, this uh, love song to the piano, we get. Uh, we start the next song with a giant keyboard riff uh, on Big Man on Mulberry Street. I'm not a bad guy, Joel. No. Um, very yeah. Mulberry Street, very 52nd Street, very very jazz, very uh, very New York, very it's... storyteller oriented. Might probably this is the time, probably, but but. This really is in the running for best song on the bridge. It's just so, it's weird that he manages to do a classic old 70s Billy Joel sounding song at this point. It sounds like uh, the Saturday Night Live band playing you into commercial. Like it really has this sort of big band jazz riff cred to it. And the lyric is, uh, it's fantastic storytelling Mm -hmm. lyric, I think. Yeah. It's uh, to me, it's if 52nd Street and Innocent Man had a kid, it would be Big Man <laughs> on Mulberry Street. Um, a great little tune, uh, Temptation. Oh, yes, it's, it's a beautiful song, sort of the mm-hmm. final produced song on the album. The le- right. next two songs are pretty much just demos, they ran out of money and they ran out of time. and if Columbia wanted yes, to get their did. stuff released, they'd started their countdown <laughs> or whatever on MTV and they got to deliver. Um, this is the, this is beautiful. It beautiful chords on the piano that just uh, by themselves are ear candy and wonderful to listen to. The song is quiet and simple, but lovely. Love, you know, song. Yeah, of, it's sort of, it's sort of a song of lust and attraction, but it's just so much more soulful and wonderful than that. I really, really mm-hmm. dig it. Mm-hmm. It's about the person um, you love being irresistible to you. Yeah, it's like it's like Christy Brinkley's asleep in the other room, and he just is like he just like caught a glimpse of her, and is like, "What the? I can't. Get, what? How? How?" He's asking of himself the question we've all asked: How? How is she with you? Like a lot of um, the bridge, it's a little overcooked, but mm-hmm. it's so good. I really like Temptation. Right. So then we get into the first, uh, or you know, this is uh, like Ryan said, uh, got a, you know, got a couple of anyone in the building, anyone around? Oh, hey, Cindy Lopper's in the building. Let's see if she wants to come by and <laughs> she's and on jam the label, right? We can just yeah. make, we can compel her to do this. Um, so code of silence with Cindy Lopper. It's good. It actually shows you the. It's weird though because it's such a raw song, and when you get yet another raw song afterwards. After all the running on ice, like the, all the histrionics and all the overproduction, it's mm-hmm. strange to get a song that just sounds like the band played it a couple times and they took the second take and then Cindy went off to finish her album and that was it. Yeah. 
But it's a good, Code of Silence is a good song. Cindy's barely on it. I think they could have made more of her. But the, mm-hmm. the singing that she does on it is great. It, it's the hook of the song. So right. they did use her at sort of the key moment. Right. Uh, and then you get, okay, so we check one end of the building. Who's on the other end? Steve. Oh, Steve Winwood's in town. Woo! Hey, let's go see if Steve wants to come by so that they can uh, both play some synths on Getting Closer. Yeah. Which is the last song, right? Nine songs. So not even a full 10 song album. Um, I like getting closer again, given the, given the circumstances of its creation and that it was just whipped together, Mm. you know, it's inspired and it's was wise of him when he was lacking inspiration to look to other artists to inspire them. And it's neat that they just are here and that's cool. And of course the big, this tour was the big uh, first Western artist let in past the Berlin Wall to play in the Eastern Bloc and the Soviet states on tour, and that was a big deal for him. Mm-hmm. And and it it came out of this, and these songs sort of go with that in a weird way, particularly this one in Code of Silence. So. Right, absolutely. Um, and uh, all right, so then so that bridge is done, and and he goes to Russia. He, he's on a you know big world world tour tour, uh, comes back. Turns around 1989 with the album Stormfront. Kicks off with That's Not Her Style. Yeah, these albums are taking longer and longer and longer for him to turn out. Um, That's Not Her Style is another love song, but it's also a lead-off rocking song. It's, again, I don't, none of these are, since, I don't know, really... I don't, know, I don't love that's not her style. It's one of the weaker songs on the oh. album, but I, it's it again. It shows you I gotta go back to work. It's what do I got? Mm-hmm. I gotta start putting stuff down, and 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 this one I don't know. It's got the happy relationship in it still, which yeah. is nice. Even though he's a family man, and that's sort of part of the lyrics. Uh, I like that he's still singing about his wife and his love of his life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then we get to we didn't start the fire. You know they say you should write what you know, and, and Billy Joel literally was like, "Well, what what do I know?" And he Look, literally writes down everything that he can remember. Totally mercenary. I remember all my REM fan friends ripping on that this was a total ripoff of uh, "It's the End of the World as We Know It," which it is, at least in form. Um, but this song is his third number one song with good reason. There's two good reasons. One, it's just, it's off the wall idea for a song, even though it's a completely mm-hmm. mercenary, impersonal song as it, they come. This one has all the song craft and all the big ideas that you need. The way he strings all these chattered phrases together and tells the history of the United States is fun. But the reason this is a, was a huge hit is the chorus, man. The tribal drums and that hook in the chorus, you want to sing along with it. You wait patiently through all the crap to get to it every time. And that's mm-hmm. the perfect That's the perfect thing about a perfect song. It's why it was a cultural zeitgeist of a tune, about cultural zeitgeistism, if there's such a thing. It's mm-hmm. all in there. I I don't I'm not cynical about we didn't start the fire. I think it's glorious. Yep. And the way uh, REM fans get to sing, yell out Leonard Bernstein. Uh, <laughs> boomers get to yell out uh, rock and, rock and roller, roller Kohler Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Next up is Down Easter Alexa. He gets out his accordion 
and shows us that uh you know the the trauma of playing the accordion from his youth uh is now paying off well yeah it's um, this story about the the again about the work it's the allentown of the album it's a story yep. of the the he names the fishing boat of the main characters sort of uh you know living that he makes modest living that he makes after his daughter which is a little weird but it's a beautiful working class song about a lost era, about a lost generation losing what's most precious to them. It really is haunting and gorgeous. It really feels like you're out to sea in mm-hmm. the in the North Atlantic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just it, it's evocative and everything about it sort of works. It wasn't yeah. it's a little too esoteric to be a huge hit, but it was a minor hit. Which yeah, it's is all it could have been. Um, yeah, I, I, and this, I remember seeing this, uh, the first time I saw the Stormfront tour live, um, seeing him, uh, I was really, this, this song was really affecting live, like him playing the accordion, the, the way, like, yeah, like you said, sort of the waves of the, of the, of the, of the sound kind of come. Yeah. It was really, really cool. live, And just, just uh, mournful, utterly Mm -hmm. mournful about a, yep. a loss of a way of life. Yep. Um, all right. Next up is I go to extremes. Great pop song. Really, Great really good. Where, where'd this come from? That's not her style. Does not suggest we were going to get this kind of blockbuster album for a minute. It actually turns out we don't, but, mm-hmm. but Hey, in this middle section of the first side, we are rocking. And yeah. I love, I love, I go to extremes. I love the, again, it's all he did was take a cliche and wrap his own style lyric around it but it has as good a piano playing as you will ever hear certainly on any of the later albums of his it's got a great hook it had a really fun great video like it's a big pop song the best of of the best kind i i adored it i was so happy to hear this song i remember when i first listened to this record this is the one where i was like wow another one that we're in for a ride here yeah yeah, this was a great pop song. The radio mix for this was different than the album mix, um, and it uh, and, and it made it made the uh, the radio mix seemed much bigger and more epic, kind of in, in its production value. Um, and and I sort of, it, yeah, the album the album one it makes it just seem like oh, it's a fun pop tune. <laughs> um, it's still pretty big sounding yeah. nineteen eighty nine production from Mick Jones and company, but it it. I, I know what you're talking about. That it's yep. beefed up. That radio mix is it's, beefed yeah. up. Um, all right. Next up is Shameless, a uh, song that people think is a Garth Brooks song because he covered it mm-hmm. um, in the same year as Billy Joel. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Shameless is Billy Joel. It's uh, end of tra- end of side one. Yeah, while Billy Joel was taking four years to make each new album, Garth Brooks was across town making four albums a year. And this album, this song is a Garth Brooks classic. And you see why. When you listen to the Billy Joel version, you can see why. It actually makes perfect sense. It's a really... Mm-hmm. I don't like it because of that It's that sort of new country legacy that it has, which I don't like mm-hmm. new country. New in you in this case. Um, but, but it's a good song. Like, I see why they picked it up. It's got a clever country-styled lyric, actually. Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, let's go back out onto the water with the titular Stormfront. There's a Stormfront coming. 
There's mood indigo. <laughs> There's problems of brewing. Um, mm-hmm. Another of the more rockiner tunes on the album. Um, Stormfront, I think, is rather disposable compared to the rest. But again, for its for its own, for where it comes on the album, for like the kind of thing it is, it isn't disposable. Like every song on Stormfront has its own personality and. It's this sort of last fully realized pop record. And so in that way, I kind of like it better than some mm-hmm. other stuff. But yeah. Um, and then we indeed, it's his... one of those where when you listen to the album after only hearing hits here and there for ages, it's you're it's welcome to hear it. Sure. Oh, absolutely. That's a great way to put that. That's a that's an absolute great observation. But you're right. In mo- it's pretty much kind of disposable. It's yeah. like, oh, it's there. Um Next up is a song uh, Leningrad about his trip and the his tour through Russia uh, and everything that happened clearly affected him. Um, yeah, and his buddy the clown that he met. If you watch the documentary, yeah. uh, his buddy that um, it's a that. Leningrad's a really really good song. I could only be an album song. It's a little too super hyper specific. To have mm-hmm. like found a place on the radio, but the tune is worthy of being on the radio. Um, yep. It's a very very good song, um, and and a really nice sort of bringing down the curtain on that whole experience. It's cool that that shows up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So next up is uh, "State of Grace." Oh, I really like "State of Grace." Very the bridge sounding ish, um, but but it, yeah. State of Grace starts with a with a hook, and the chorus does this thing where it does this unexpected thing that only a Billy Joel song does. So there's something about it, unlike Stormfront, because it is kind of one of the minor songs on the album for sure. It it, it has a couple of these things that pull it up with the rest of the group just a little bit more somehow. I don't know mm-hmm. what that is, but uh, I that's a really really good song. But also, it's not. It doesn't have that. It's not a rocker. Like now, I gotta rock out. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's mid tempo sort of thing that just let he lets it be what it is, and I really I find it's very comfortable in its own shoes and an awesome yeah. song to listen to. Yeah. Uh, and then we get when in Rome. Oh yeah, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. It's a fun song. Yeah. It's fun. It's, At this I, point yeah. in the record, it's getting anything like this is really fun. And again, after Leningrad and State of Grace, it's actually it's the variety is everything. And so I like, I like mm-hmm. it. I, though I don't, I'm like same with you. I don't love it. Yeah. yeah it's like, okay. Fun. Yeah. Good, good, good job. Good uh, but then we get, uh, then we get an absolute uh, Stone Cold classic um, from Billy Joel. And so it goes. Yeah. Maybe the best piano ballad by a piano ballad. Extraordinaire. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, He's under a lot of pressure. He's not enjoying him very much. This is all things that we know at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. The fact that this song came out of this guy is really kind of amazing under this context. And maybe that's, it's, it's, it's preparing us to be disappointed by him or something. It's hard to explain, but I love, I love this tune. You can talk about it too, because I've been doing most of the talking. But it, yeah, no, well, and, and so it goes. Is yeah, it is. It's so, it's so simple. It's so lovely. It is, you know, it's a, it is an absolute song you sing to your baby daughter um, when when she's when you're trying to get her to sleep. It is, uh, it's really contemplative, um, and uh, it's it's it sounds like. 
the it sounds like a song that you sing when you're in your calm moments uh before you're raging out of getting absolutely taken advantage by your management team again <laughs> um <laughs> so it's like you can be angry so mad and then there's these points where you're just like uh, in every heart there's a room uh, uh and so it goes yeah, yeah. just wonderful it's just yeah it's probably his best album closer of his career it's so good. absolutely and that's that's there's a couple where i'm like ah, maybe not but maybe <laughs> that's saying um, something it's good too yep now we get uh 1993 his last full studio album uh the river of dreams the old the woman first- is forces him back in the studio yeah. Yeah. This, this i've never heard an album that like for song after song after song when it starts out it's just like a guy who doesn't want to be here and doesn't want to be doing this you know even back yeah. in street life serenader it's like yeah he's lacking for inspiration but he's muscling through it and that's coming from within this is outside forces this is yep. his wife saying you've got to get off the couch <laughs> mfr and you can't you can't be in your boat this I'm, entire time i'm not going to be making you, all man. the money for us you know what i mean and the records company wins the next album blah, blah, blah. and he's just yeah. okay i'll you know she's like if you're not going to start it you're never going to start it she's not wrong there uh mm-hmm. starts off with what the, another no another, man's land no yeah, man's no land man's another rocker land. A, a song i think the song's hilarious it's not bad actually especially for the first side of river of dreams it's probably the highlight um, but it's a song about Billy Joel railing against all the Billy Joel fans moving out to his old neighborhood. <laughs> it's, it's crazy that and this song doesn't see the irony in that, but that's, that's also what's wonderful about it. You know, it's, yeah. it's about the suburbanization of Long Island and all the other old places in the world that he considers sacred. I get it. I really do. But <laughs> yep. But the lack of irony is really, really thick because it's yep. because th- this is an ironic song if there ever was one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get uh, the next track. Uh, as we mentioned, he gets screwed over by his management again. He's lost a ton of money. Uh, and so he retaliates with the Great Wall of China. Uh, at least this song comes from somewhere deep within. And I really yeah. do appreciate that. This so maybe we're off to a good start. These songs are kind of angry. Danny Korchmar, I shouldn't use this song to rip on Danny Korchmar because this is one of the good ones. Great Wall of China. Is, it's interesting and it's complicated melody, but the the chorus is genuinely good. The metaphor is a bass metaphor, but it still works really great in what he's trying to get at. And it's a catchy mm-hmm. tune, which thank Christ for that because they, they those are in short supply over the next few songs. Um Korch didn't let him use his old band. I mean, he yep. just it's like he did everything he could to make him as fish out of water on his own album as possible. Danny's most famous for produce he's a super producer. He's produced tons of stuff, but he's most famous for producing Don Henley's solo albums. And Henley just sort of let him do his thing. Billy's <sighs> used to doing everything himself, and there's really something lost until he mm-hmm. starts to find himself eventually on this record. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The fact that he, um, uh, next song is blonde over blue, uh, again, fine. But again, he's not using his band and you can tell it does not sound like Billy Joel right. with, with this band, with the band that he's, he's, he's right. All gone, to figure out. gone is to... that 
Russell's precision and Liberty's like they're very tight Mm -hmm. and precise and the thing sounds like what it is the drum part sounds like the thing it's hard Mm -hmm. to explain Danny's stuff is it's big slabs of cement hitting the ground it's just giant whap 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 it's this huge muffled cluttered Mm. sound of stuff and Blonde Over Blue while simpler thankfully is it doesn't have a hook to justify its existence. The lyric I get and appreciate, but it's not great. So it's the third like mediocre song in a row, really, and it's the mm-hmm. worst of the three. But don't right. worry, there's worse coming. Yeah, don't worry, because, yeah, we have a minor variation. Is that the bop bop badu da da song? Yeah, it is. Worst song on the album. Maybe, maybe also in the conversation for worst Billy Joel song of all time. And it's too bad because you can feel the ambition in the thing. He's he, again, he's trying to write something really tricky. It's almost like a progressive rock song because <laughs> it's a really complicated tune, but it's unnecessarily complicated. And of course, Korchmar's production doesn't help. It's all full of shit, and you can't get in there at what might be some sort of pop song or some sort of rock song that we could enjoy. I remember they were they were proud of this one when this album came out, but. They really were. I, I think Corch talked him into thinking this was a brilliant tune when it it's. I don't, <laughs> I don't dig it. I admit. Ba 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 do wa ba 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 do wa ba 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 do wa ta. There you go. Thank you. Hang in All there, right, gang. Next. Things are looking up go. pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to Shades. Uh, no, th- Shades of Grey. Did we just talk about Shades of Grey? No, we didn't. Did we skip? No. Shades of Grey is about ba 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 da wa ba. Sorry, minor variation is. Uh, so we just talked about Shades of Grey, not minor variation. That's too bad. Minor... Shades of Grey. Uh... Minor variation is uh, uh, that one is what the heck is that one? Uh, some days I don't have the right to. Oh yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's trying to. It, uh, it's yeah. forget. We forgot it because it's forgettable. Yeah, shades of gray is unforgettable, but not great. And that shades of gray. Oh yeah, it's not black or white. Yeah, we've all you know we've heard this before. You're yeah. not breaking any new ground in the lyric department, and the music is atrocious. <laughs> and like hurts yeah. the ear in a weird way. <laughs> Look, I think the fact that we screwed up the order on this tells you, frankly, everything you need to know about these well, two tracks. First side of They're... River of Dreams isn't great. It, no. it really is forced and labored and all that stuff that you wouldn't want an album to be and that really none mm-hmm. of these other albums are. So where right. do we go so from here? So can only go up, the... right? Yeah, let's flip the cassette over, uh, put it in, hit play, and we get All About Soul. Better. Good pop tune. Good pop tune. <sighs> better and and this is a song again whose single version is dramatically different it has a whole mm-hmm. different intro it's like a completely different song um mm-hmm. it was the second single off the album and they played it live a little bit and they turned it into something different and then they kind of made a remix of that that made it work uh yep. the the hook at the time was that uh color me bad singing backup vocals on it but yes it could have oh been, totally been any five guys it didn't need to be color me bad you could say that's story of color me bad's life, right? That's their biography. Could have been any five guys. <laughs> could have been any five guys. <laughs> no, it's not true. They had to look good with their shirts off. Um, so, but it's good. All about soul's good. It's got a good chorus, and the remix brings out everything that's good about it. it the mm-hmm. beep, beep, 
Bip, bip, bip. That's not really. Yeah. It's in the album mix, but it's buried under all the Corch's crap. And the single and he, remix is fantastic. Bring breathes here, new life into the song. And in the way, in the way his singing and the lyrics and everything were totally labored on the first side of the album. Yeah. Uh, this one, it, there's a uh, there, there's an it, earnestness. It's just blonde a, over blue again, which is mm -hmm. not a terrible song, but it's just that. Except it's working mm -hmm. on every level. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so then we get... Um, and it's like we've two... broken through the glass now. Now every song yep. is pretty much good in some way, which is really nice. Yeah. So now we get two great songs that taste great together. First one is Lullaby, Goodnight, My Angel. Yeah, which, which is... if there hadn't what already been... Um, and so it goes. I mean, I, I always think this is that again, but more deliberately lullaby-ish and... But it's mm -hmm. lovely. It's great. And it's the first him man and his piano. It's the piano man and his instrument telling us a story for the first time on this record. And it's like, mm -hmm. you can breathe. It feels great when this song comes along. Yeah. And to me, it feels like, like I mean, I know he, re you know, everything is in order of what he he wrote but it sort of feels like he may have started working on River of Dreams and then thought, what if I, what if I'm putting, you know, m my daughter to sleep? And so then that leads into and 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 it sort of because it, it the two songs work so good together. This idea of okay, it's time to sleep now, and then you go to sleep, and, and then the, you get your dreams this, are kaleidoscopic and technicolor. Correct, and you get the you get the funky drums, and you get the yeah, and, yeah, the, and then the big sounds of blackness, backup vocals, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, the big giant chorus and the the pre-chorus the little pre-chorus the yep. um it's his last big pop hit and rightfully so it's a fantastic song for the era and yep. he's out of his era this is very much a cluttered ugly 90s sounding album and he's just not a big cluttered 90s guy and so this album's a throwback this is like a 1985 single and yet yep, absolutely and yet it was like with the few things that came out, like Steve Perry put a solo album out after eight years, all these things that we got in the early nineties that were not grunge and that were not just acoustic uh, ladies, you know, that that's mm -hmm. all it was, was like these wonderful breaths of variety. And I really see river dreams as that title yeah. track and lead off single and maybe best song on the record. Probably. Yeah. Absolutely. We had, well, yeah, we had, I just wanted to, we had grunge and then we had, uh, uh, industrial um, and <clears throat> industrial and, and really the rise of rap and the rise of rap's influence and everybody like sure. kind of sampling and taking elements of rap and putting them into their songs. So yeah. So river of dreams was like, Oh, isn't this a quaint fun little thing here that, that but it was a quaint fun little thing. And, and yeah. it was a big hit because people still wanted this to some degree, even though mm -hmm. there wasn't room for a lot of it. <laughs> it was, it just wasn't. So then we get uh, the, the first, the first of the waving goodbye songs. Um, and, uh, and that's, 2000 years fantastic song on his Terrific live song. album that came out during the millennium concert this is the song mm -hmm. he sings waiting for the countdown to start and it and yep. it's um we always we always sing during the little hook that comes after the chorus we always sing there's a hole in my bucket because that's what it sounds yeah. like yep but it's 
it's being mean to this song because this is a lovely little song about perspective and about kind of amazingness that we got here. And the, the lyric and the chorus is lovely and the mandolins and stuff, like all of it is folksy and great. And so I really, really dig it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good tune. Uh, it's yeah, it's lovely. Again, we get a we get a nice hard sort of to know swing. what it would be if it was on like Stormfront or something. But on this album, right. it's a highlight, no question. Right, absolutely good good point. And then we get famous last words. If this is the last song I, oh, these are the last words I have to say. I have to say, yep. This is a swan song, literally. <laughs> yeah, this is him going. This is I'm done. You know, I'm done. My my era is done now, and uh... so long. See ya. And and it and but it's the it it lives up to the responsibility of that idea. If this is the last thing I'm going to express in this format that has made me what I am or whatever, um, I'm going to try and make them count. So here's what I think, and I I really that's noble, and I think it's pretty cool. Even yeah. if what he ultimately thinks is sort of pop song wisdom. What else do you expect from your pop rock artists? Honestly, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's a great way to end a really haphazard and confusing and frustrating album. Yep. Um, but that is so. Even though that is his last studio album, that is not the last we hear of Billy Joel. No, not quite. We, get, uh, we mentioned that we get Greatest Hits Volume Three, and he. Uh, Treats us to three covers. Now, yeah, so we're we're not gonna do any of the B sides. Some of the B side stuff that came out. Uh, we're yeah, not there were a lot that. of little bits and pieces and tributes and things. They they weren't terribly mm-hmm. significant, but a lot of different stuff came out. But mm-hmm. real quickly, just say what these are, and we'll move on. So, in 1997, we get to make you feel my love. Bob uh, Dylan. Hey, Gir- Bob Dylan. Hey, girl. And uh, Lou Reed. Uh, Lou Reed and Light as a Breeze, uh, Laura, which is Leonard uh, Cohen. Leonard Cohen, yeah, thanks. Leonard Cohen, yeah, and um, and and, Light and, and Breeze had already been released actually two years before or something. Yes, yes, but they slapped it onto this uh, greatest hits because as well. he, they said we want new songs for greatest hits like the old one, and he's like, well, here's somebody else's songs. You can really tell he's done. Last yep. words were it, and they mm-hmm. were it for decades. These covers are fine, but they're they're again they're mid nineties Korchmar esque. Mm-hmm blues rock covers they're not special they're very faithful there's no sense of billy joel there other than that he's singing them and that's yeah that's not good absolutely so there, we did all three in one go yep that, that was awesome uh but we do get he uh he and it's okay to him. mention he did a he really seriously worked at an entire album full of piano interludes that he had somebody else yep. play yeah richard Jew plays uh all of yeah play, play, plays these you know uh because because he wrote songs that he literally couldn't play yeah he he wrote beyond his as he wrote as he says he wrote beyond his uh i think abilities. he's not giving himself enough credit i think that album would have a ton more personality if he had played those songs himself but <laughs> i there are immaculately played by one of the greatest pianists of our time so i don't yeah. fault that and it's a must-have album for any billy joel fan but it's not a rock and roll record so no there are there are some lovely there's some lovely again lovely moments there's a couple lovely little, little tracks that you know they're again you know showing they're neat we've heard it throughout his pop career so they're not surprising mm-hmm. that they're nice but they're not yeah. they don't rise to the level of classical music brilliance either so what are they yeah it's a curiosity unfortunately Right. And for only um, for diehard fans. Correct. Uh, all right. So uh, and then finally, we get uh, in 2007, um, as he is getting ready to marry uh, Katie 
Katie Lee, I want to say her, her her maiden name was, um, but um, she's now uh, the, the the she's a chef. She's on Food Network and stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she was he was getting ready to marry her, uh, he writes a little sort of Frank Sinatra love song called. Yeah, it's a very Sinatra life. cover album cover with the hat he's wearing Sinatra's mm-hmm. gangsta hat basically. Yep. Um, if you're going to yeah. come out of retirement and write a nice piano ballad, this is a good one. It's not bad. It's just. Mm-hmm. It just again, it's 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 like all the other times when he was struggling as a writer. It's form over function, basically. It, yeah. it, he's aping another idea from some other writer. He's doing a really good version of it on his own, and it's and like I say, at least if he was going to give us one new studio recording over all umpteen years, yeah, this one doesn't fall flat on its place. It's really really nice, but. The it does, rock star it does Billy Joel is pretty much gone for good. Yeah, it does it. Uh, have the, uh, he sings it again with the earnestness that that you get because clearly he's in love and um and, and probably never <sighs> thought he was gonna love again. Hey, that's it. We didn't quite make it, but I bet you we we did better than I thought we were. Gonna do. We <laughs> did that. We didn't. We didn't do too bad. I don't think we did. You too guys bad. don't come to us for music stuff. We don't do music stuff because you can see how hard it is to do. Um, a matter of fact, in this case, I think the forum helped us because we just couldn't go on and on about songs that nobody, yeah. you or us, could listen to. But, you know, Billy Joel, I just, I don't know why I thought of it because I in my iPod, there's 120 Billy Joel songs. And I'm like, ooh, one for yeah. each minute of the podcast. Um, and yeah, and he meant something to me, and he meant a lot to, to Joel in particular. Growing yep. up, that was an artist that again, I think people are. He said some goofy things, but when you listen to like what Clapton and Roger Waters are saying, I mean, it's mm-hmm. lay off Billy Joel. He's just a crabby old man. That's pretty much what he was yeah. when he was a young man. Um, he 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 didn't have to, but he stood up for uh, what's her face the other day. I appreciated that. Yeah, he, um, you it, know, and and I can't well, remember her was, name. She's actually a big pop star, but Taylor uh, Swift. Ta- Taylor Swift. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, and there were, you know, uh, some something that he said got misconstrued, and I, I must admit, I thought it meant that he was endorsing our former president. Um, and he came out and said, "No, I, that's not what I was doing. I did not vote for him. I want nothing to do with him." But he He's sang him. about people who did for ages, and he identifies with them more than I think he identifies with us. And I think that it's easy to make him seem unpopular. I don't yeah. think I don't think as a New Yorker with all his working class pals and stuff that he saw. Uh, that he saw the former presidents, you know, getting elected as that big a surprise. And I think when you hear from a lot of people out east that get that in a way that mm-hmm. it seemed unthinkable to a lot of people, certainly the press. Yeah. So, you know, I've heard a lot of artists say that. Yeah, they're not supporting. But it, the, anything they say that says, I get where this is coming from, is construed as some sort of support. All right. Yeah. Dennis DeYoung got in trouble for it too. There's other artists out there who, who John Stewart got in trouble for it of all people. Um, yeah. You know it. So even if he, I don't know, even if he falls off, even if he, he I don't think he's going to become Roger Waters. I think he's just lost his mind. But as an old rocker, 
No, nope, you know, he's as generous with his music as he can be. He takes it out on the road. He knows what it is to be a showman, and he gives you a good show every time and always has. Um, he, El- he those has Elton John, hate. Billy yeah. Joel mega tours that they went on, Elton even said at the end of the last one, he's like, he just hates doing this and he shouldn't do it. But I really don't think from the 25th row you could sense that. I think that's nope. true. But I don't. I, I I think he puts it out there as a showman and as an entertainer and as a writer. I think he shared a lot of personal stuff with us, and I think he writes an incredible, catchy pop rock tune. A proof's in the pudding. Yep. How many popular and amazing songs with incredible legacies and longevity did we just list? Tons. Yeah, um, yeah I believe I I may have shared on here before. I, Jennifer and I were lucky enough to see. Uh, well, lucky is maybe not the right word, but we saw the Madison Square Garden uh, concert with Elton John and Billy Joel the night before Billy Joel uh, checked himself into rehab again. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a bonkers, bonkers (laughs) concert. Uh, It was after 9-11 and Billy was... uh, Out of sorts. Yes, he was was on sixes and sevens. But still putting putting it out there somehow. Tried, tried. Yeah, he tried. There's a few that there's a few that he didn't. Elton John totally saved the night. But um, it was it was just (laughs) it was wild. Uh, um, Yeah. But, you know, it's a dude who's had, you know, he's had some he's had some demons. He's had huge successes. uh, He's had, you know, highs and lows like everybody. uh, And he just but this is a guy who has a talent for writing this stuff down and putting it to music. So um, that's it. 120 Billy Joel songs in roughly 120 minutes. We came really close. I really thought we had built up enough uh, early on that we were going to like, oh, we're going to cruise into this. We're going to come in at 120, you know, 120 songs and 118. Too, too many songs that need a minimum of two minutes to talk about, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Yep. Hey, so, that's good. All right. a feather in his cap. Yep, you can reach out to us, of course, at The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook, uh, at The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan on YouTube. If you are watching um, this, I hope that the uh, video turned out okay. Lots of lots of juddery Ryan on my end. The audio is good, but the video was kind of gunky, and I apologize for that. Yeah, whatever. Um, and uh, But yeah. Uh, I'm the, more of a radio then, star than a video star anyway. Yeah, and of course, you can uh, uh, reach out to us, TikTok and Instagram, at Ask Joel and Ryan. Ask Joel and Ryan at gmail.com if you uh, have a question. Um, let us know uh, your thoughts on Billy Joel and, and well, why um, why he's great. And what your favorite is. song is. I'd really yeah. love just that. Favorite Billy Joel song in the comments section. There you go. Boom. All right, everybody. Uh, that is going to do it for us. We will see you very soon. Um, and I uh, hope you all are enjoying a, ho- a good holiday season. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.
గురించో